Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your hosts, Joe Rowles. Welcome back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I am Joe Rowles. Today, I am talking to AJ Schulte of Mile High Report. Thanks for joining me, AJ. Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for having me on, man. So I kind of just want to start where we were about to talk before I said let's record because like let's actually talk about this the Eagles game was a yeah. nightmare um in every just about every single facet um and I know yeah. I know we're gonna get to Teddy Bridgewater so those of you kind of chomping at the bit to get to Teddy Bridgewater we will get to it but I, I kind of want to start with I thought the play calling was garbage like from what I've seen um I thought that was a problem I know you were like again. You had just mentioned like you're charting it. Uh yeah. I mean, I thought they were trying to protect the offensive line partly, and I thought they did a by doing so. I think they took away the edge that they had in terms of receiver versus corner talent. Yeah, they absolutely like. Yeah, like I was, I was getting ready to mention. Let me, uh, let me mention. Let me mute my phone. Sorry. Um, I was getting ready to mention. I. Like the, he had twenty, I think he hit thirty six total attempts, and I believe about twenty eight were underneath ten yards. Right, but the middle of the field, they just they kept hitting like middle of the field, they, like they had huge success. They hitting Cortland Sutton like I think it was like the start of the third quarter. They hit Sutton wide open over the middle of the field. Uh, Albert O's big play 
the 64, 65 yarder was over the middle of the field after the catch. Like they had intermediate stuff done in, but they just never went to it outside of just a few times. Yeah, I mean, and I think you're right. Part of that was to protect the O line because, like, I think it was the first third down of the game. Teddy had the right tackle Fleming just like right in his lap. Yes. He's getting dragged down, so he has to. So he had to check it down underneath. But like that was kind of the story of the game. Was Teddy Bridgewater was just like harassed. I mean, yes. the O line was the tackle game was just abysmal. Um, I mean, when Derek Barnett has more career penalties than sacks, and he was in the backfield, like like there's a problem. I mean, granted, they had backup offensive linemen against a really strong defensive line. So I, from that aspect, I understand it, but also at the same time, like the way that they were going about it, I felt was wrong. I agree. Like, like there was one, there was one play where like Teddy or not Teddy, Judy motioned across the formation and the way his flat concept kind of went into was going right into Cortland Sutton running the stick. So they just kind of ran into each other and the defender and they all just kind of met Tim Patrick fell down and no offense on the on the out route wasn't open so like what is what's teddy supposed to do there <laughs> like wait. so he had to check it down because nobody was open and like that was just kind of how it went the concepts were just the spacing was really bad and like they shouldn't have that problem against philly's defense that no. was really really shocking it's one of those things and again we'll never know the answer to but for how much I've blasted Pat Shermer, and I've been pretty critical of Pat Shermer, I thought this Philly game was going to be a really good kind of like opportunity for Shermer to build off what he did in Dallas against a weak secondary. And yes, you, you had to deal with an offensive line kind of having to try and block. Like they were overmatched, as, I, as how I would say it. The backup offensive line for the Broncos was definitely overmatched against the Philly front. But the secondary and then the linebackers from Philly were weak enough that, in theory, the Broncos, sh they should have been able to have a field day. Like, honestly, like you run enough quick stuff, you mix yeah. in some checkdowns, tight ends against the, the Philly linebackers. Like, Teddy Bridgewater should have completed something like 70 to 80% of his passes just on easy stuff. And I thought, like, with the backup offensive line, because, again, like you and I have talked about this. Like, yes, Cam Fleming sucks in pass protection. Like, he's not – like, he's adequate at best. Like, and he's going to have issues. But he's a decent run blocker. He's actually pretty strong. Like, his play strength is definitely better than Bobby Massey's. Quinn Miners is no slouch. And you have Dalton Reiser and mm -hmm. Kellen Anderson. Like, theoretically, you should be able to move the ball on the ground. And Philly's run defense is weak. So the Broncos – what they, they have, did. 18, 18 carries, I thought. Maybe I, I don't yeah. have the number right in front of me. Yeah. But – and again, yeah, I think it was about 18. And I know like the game situation eventually gets to the point where you have to move to the passing game, but that wasn't the issue for most of the game. So like, I don't think that's an adequate excuse. And yes, I know there was penalties down around the red zone, but if you're having issues with your offensive line holding up in tight space, it like, cause again, the spacing around the the red zone is going to be tighter. So it makes it harder to dial up passing plays unless you're, you know what you're doing. So with a backup offensive coordinator, essentially, you would think it makes sense around the red zone to really ride the ground game, and they did not do so. And I thought that was a yeah. really big issue. And again, I'm not trying to put Teddy like get Teddy Bridgewater off the hook. We'll get there. Like I definitely thought he was disappointing as well. 
but he didn't have a lot of help. Like this was one of those no, games that it, makes you appreciate Shermer just because he wasn't even there. Yeah, like at one point, I think, I think somebody had mentioned that all seven of Teddy's incompletions at that point all came in the red zone because they were just passing the ball. But coming into the game, Philly had like a bottom five defense, like DVOA wise, yep. in the red zone against the run. Yep. And they scored with the running game in the game. Like, and they were just like, no, no, Javante Williams would go off, Melvin Gordon would get chunk plays. And, but they were just kind of like, nah, it's whatever. We're going to keep hitting these little underneath kind of nowhere passes. Like, they're not getting a lot of yards after the catch. Like they just, they aren't like, like these, these receivers are built to win intermediate deep. Judy, Judy has a little bit of that, but like Corlin Sutton should have had a field day. Tim Patrick should have had a field day and they just never, this concepts were just, and, and like, I get that they wanted to go a little pass heavy against Philly because of the secondary, but like at some point, you you've got two just absolute stud running backs. Like Javante Williams has just really. I felt Javante Williams has really improved the last few games. Melvin yes. Gordon has been steady, and they were just kind of like, whatever. We're at like, a Philly, Philly. Philly stopped scoring in the second half. Like they, like they just they yep. didn't really do much until the game, until that fumble, and the momentum was just gone at that point. And so, like, there was plenty of opportunity to come back, and you could have ridden the run game, given your defense a chance to heal. And they just were like, no, that's cool. Given the Broncos... I think they had 18 combined carries, I think, was the... Given the Broncos combined, uh, like, investment in the running back position... The way that they very rarely actually, will, and again, like I'm, I'm about as far away from an established the run bro as you're gonna get because I know the numbers don't support it, and I believe in that. I do think, like in terms of efficiency, yes, you need to have a consistent passing game to win in the NFL. Like, period. That said, you have a backup off at like three backups on your offensive line, and you have a you traded up for a second round running back, and you're paying Melvin Gordon nine million dollars or eight million dollars. And it's like, at some point, yeah. if your quarterback is not doing what you were hoping in that game, pound the fucking rock. Like, that's your, like, what, like, and, yeah. and, and the thing is, like, Mike McCoy, like, Mike Shula comes from the Carolina Panthers where, like, that was, like, their thing. So, like, I get, I get that he may very well have been, like, a little bit hamstrung by, like, the initial game plan going into the game. But, like, if this is your chance to prove that, like, you have the play calling chops to eventually, like, move back up the chain to like, you know, get an opportunity. You need to adjust. This is a weak defense. And he didn't like, he just straight up, like, honestly, if anything else, he yeah. kind of proved to us why he's not an offensive coordinator. Sorry if you can hear the dog barking. In no, the you're good. Bindi just, um, um, let's touch. Like, oh no, go ahead. To me, like, I, I, like I, I'm writing this, this piece that's going to come out is pretty heavy and it's just largely critical of, both sides of the ball not failing or failing to completely adjust just throughout the game just didn't do any and like they would they would get into the red zone and just start spamming pass yep and you and and you're like why it, it, it was just so bizarre to me like yes Cortland Sutton is what six three yeah six two six three Tim Patrick is six four 
yeah, you've got some dudes. You've got you've got guys that, but at some point, pound the damn rock. <laughs> it's one of those like, things. Devontae Williams is tied with Nick Chubb in fourth missed tackles. Like he's gonna score on those Philly linebackers. One v one in a hole, he's gonna run over them. Well, plus, and they were just like, no, no. With with how weak Philly's linebackers are, when the Broncos did like pull off gap concepts and they got a blocker around the line up into the second level, like it basically spelled like it was free running. It was easy. Qu- so yeah. Like, when, why don't, Quinn, why don't there's, there's a play of Quinn just pulling around and just smashing dude. I'm like, I don't know why they don't do that more often. Gap. It worked last just go year gap because it, yeah. And it worked against Dallas. Like, yes. Like Javante Williams was ripping big runs off of literally just following Quinn. And they were like, nah, I don't know. I don't know what that is. That's, that's some foreign, some communist thing I don't want to deal with. Like, <laughs> you you mentioned failure to adjust on defense. I think we should get to well. I'll I'll give you the choice. Do do we want to do you want to hear my rant about Teddy Bridgewater first, or do you want to hear, or do we want to talk about the defense? Because I we need to do both. We, we could we could segment. We could keep on offense. Okay. We can keep with Teddy and then switch over to defense. Yeah, let's do that. So here here's my here's my kind of beef with Teddy Bridgewater. I, yes, like knowing what we know about like where the game was at and the fact that that was like kind of the Broncos last chance to stay in the game. Obviously, yes, he should have made the tackle. That said, I totally understand. Again, I tweeted this out before, so I know you know about this, AJ, but like knowing what we know, he's a free agent after the year. He has dealt with significant, like he's, he's had a concussion. He's had a lower body injury. He has an injury history, like an actual injury history. And the Broncos just traded Vaughn Miller. So like he knows that they don't see this as like a Super Bowl team. Like if nothing else, like he knows, like I don't blame him at all for making a business decision. I'm not saying I like it, but I told, but I completely understand why he would do so. And from like, from a long-term perspective, if you're looking at the next seven games, I'm not necessarily angry that the Broncos starting quarterback didn't get hurt making a tackle in a game where the special teams couldn't, couldn't do anything. The defense couldn't stop anybody. And the offense was like hit or miss most of the game. Like, and again, I'm, and again, Teddy Bridgewater yeah. was a big part of that. I'm getting there. But the fact that Bridgewater didn't get hurt means that the Broncos still have Bridgewater for the divisional games that they need to win. If they're going to try and chase the playoffs down the road, because let's be real. And I know, you know, this drew lock is not going into Kansas city and winning. I'm not saying that Bridgewater will, but you at least have a fighting chance with a starting quarterback versus what we've seen from Drew. He's Locke. not going to just give Kansas gonna... City the ball. Yeah. 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 And, and then, and again, if the Broncos are going to make the playoffs, they need Terry Bridgewater to look a lot better than he did in Philly. That was a, he was a big part of the issues. And that, that was one of his weaker games that we've seen this year. So again, I'm not saying he's a franchise quarterback. And I know, you know, that too, like that's the, that's the issue I've ha- I'm having with this week. I think is that all the complaints about Teddy Bridgewater start with the tackle. And again, rightfully so I totally understand everybody being upset about the tackle, but those complaints always kind of start to turn into, he's not really good. He's not as good as we, as the numbers say, he's not the answer. And it's like, here's the thing. I don't think anybody on their most honest moment will tell you that anybody thought Teddy Bridgewater was the long-term answer at quarterback for the Broncos. The only people that I have seen even float that work for the Broncos. No one else like, and I am saying like, even like KOA hasn't done it. Nine news hasn't done it. Like 
the, the, the local insiders that are essentially working with the Broncos and kind of like quasi carrying their water there. Nobody is saying that Tay Bridgewater is the franchise quarterback that Denver is looking for everybody at, at the most optimistic people. And again, I, I probably count them on them. I see Bridgewater as a potential bridge guy. Um, because when you look at the, <laughs> that was good pun. when you, I know when you look at the alternatives though, there, there's really not, there's not a lot of other good options unless the Broncos execute a trade for like Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or like free agency next year. Other than Bridgewater, it's, it's, it's Jameis. It's Teddy and Jameis. And yeah. Jameis Winston has a torn ACL this year. The last full season we've had from him, he threw 30 picks. And again, I'm, I don't think it's as bad as like 30 picks, but like he did throw 30 picks. Um, yeah. So yeah. like he's a big gamble. And I personally just don't, I don't believe Peyton's going to make that gamble. No, it, like to me, like going, I'm going to kind of segue like with, yeah. with Bridgewater's tackle, like this season we've seen Baker Mayfield get hurt on making an interception saving tackle. And like, and it's an injury that's still bugging him. Yep. Like it's, it's impacting his game. Like you can very clearly see it in his mechanics. Like, and we, but in like Tom Brady doesn't do a single damn thing after he throws an interception, you can watch him just stand there. And so it's like, yes, I, I, I can understand being upset about Teddy's attempt. It, it, it's kind of lame. Yeah. But also at the same time, like relatively, you do quarterbacks just kind of don't. They're too, like, like they're, in this day and age, most, you just kind of don't see that. Like, they're too important to risk on that. Honestly. And again, I know that that sounds really they, like court, Every coach will tell them to not make the tackle, leave it up to somebody else. And they don't practice tackling. That's the other part of it. Like no. that's, that's why a lot of quarterbacks get hurt when they make their tackles is because they suck at mm -hmm. them. And again, I, yes, like as, as a fan of the Broncos, I definitely would have preferred he make the tackle just because it would have given, first of all, it would have given the Broncos a, a halfway decent chance because after Melvin Gordon's fumble, um, the Eagles had, I want to say like something like a 70% chance of winning the game, according to next gen stats. Once they scored the touchdown, it was up in like 97. Like it definitely was the, the clinching mark of the game. But that said, like there's still seven games to go. Um, so other than like, like me personally being frustrated by it. And then the fact that now we're still dealing with Teddy Bridgewater bitching like four days later, like I, I understand why he didn't do it and I'm, I'm moving on. And I, and it's not that I think he shouldn't be accountable or all that stuff. I just think the Broncos realistically don't have another option that actually makes sense. If you want Drew Locke to start, I get it. Um, at this point, I have written that piece, guys. Um, if the Broncos want to just pull a plug on this season and just throw out all the young guys and see what happens, yeah, go throw Drew Locke out there. The Broncos do have him under contract for another season. I don't think anybody, nobody who actually makes the decisions like this think Drew Locke is going to give you more than what you've seen from Teddy Bridgewater. And I understand that like there's insiders and people saying that like Peyton didn't really want Bridgewater and all that bullshit, but like it's bullshit. Like I'm telling you right now, I'm not carrying water for anybody. I'm not getting inside sources because I'm trying to defend George Peyton. I'm not trying to defend Fick Fangio. I'm not trying to defend Teddy Bridgewater. I'm just being honest with you. I'm a fan just like the rest of you guys. Peyton traded for Teddy Bridgewater. The coaching staff's on the hot seat, so they're playing the best option. And good, bad, yeah. or otherwise, right now, that's Teddy Bridgewater. Like yeah, and like, if after the next couple games, because it's the Chargers and Chiefs, I believe, are the next two after the bye week, 
if they want, if like that, if they just get yeah. totally creamed in those two games, which if they play like they did in Philly, they absolutely will. Yep. Um, uh, the other the other issues of of those teams be damned. Mm-hmm. If they play like they did in Philly against Herbert and Mahomes, I mean they made Jalen Hurts look like you if, know Warren Moon. If they like, play if they play like they did in Philly, they're gonna have a hard time beating Detroit. Like let's be real. Yes, like, because Detroit, Detroit, Detroit's because still playing. Detroit hard. will just run it down their throats. Yes, De- Detroit will run it down their. Throats. And they're gonna they're gonna and probably like, try to do it anyway. Yeah, Detroit's O line is starting to become really scary. Yeah, I mean, and they were, and if they were beating up on Pittsburgh's defense in the run game, you can bet they're going to beat up on Denver's yep. in the run game. Uh, and like, but like at that point, if they get smoked by the Chargers and Chiefs, and like that's the point where they're like, yeah, we're out of this, yeah, as an organization, and and they make the decision to get rid of Fangio and just kind of pull the plug on the season, which, at you know, the way that that would be five and seven. 10 and 7 is probably not going to happen at that point. Yeah. And even then, 10 and 7 might not make you in the playoffs with the way that the AFC is kind of shaping up a little. So, like, if that's the point where they go, all right, we'll just, you know, throw in lock, throw in, you know, just play the rookies, just kind of the freestyle free ball. The quote unquote, see what we got stretch of the season that every Broncos fan is getting way too accustomed to. Yeah. The the how high a draft pick can we realistically get season is is really what it is and like and in in this class of upcoming guys it's kind of like yeah you take what you get uh, and so like I understand where the organization is kind of like with Teddy because at this point you know you're five and five you still got I think five indiv- like divisional games yeah. Yep. Uh, and then you've got the Bengals as well. So like, yeah, you know, if, if they're feeling like they can get things right, I get it. Optimism is abound in an NFL organization, whether that's good or bad. Um, you could kind of, but like, and that's just, that's the way they're going to do it. They're always going to try and approach the thing. Like they can keep winning because if you just throw the tank on the season, like, well, and I, and you, I, I mean, that can cost you jobs. And I think the other part of what you just said is something that I think a lot of us, and again, I include myself in this, have kind of like overlooked. Payton is in the first year as a GM. I think he's a guy who believes in culture and like laying the foundation of like, we're, you know, this is what we're about, all that stuff. And that's part of the reason why I think Payton did not trade off everything because that's an admittance that you're basically just tearing it down and you're not expecting to win at all. Trading Vaughn is one thing that basically is a mark that you're not going to win the Super Bowl, but it, like Peyton at his presser basically like really hammered this idea. Like we're going to try and win every game. I like where we're going and all that stuff. And again, whether he believes it or not is one thing, but like, I think they are trying to do that. And it's kind of an evaluation tool, like see who is actually going to continue to fight over the rest of the season. Yeah. And if that's what they're doing, you need a quarterback that allows you to evaluate the young players And again, those of you who have listened through me complaining through all of 2020 know the problem that we saw with Locke last year is Locke was so bad in some of those games, you couldn't actually really evaluate the receivers because he couldn't find them. Bridgewater, even in his Uh worst days, at least. And again, I understand Cortland Sutton's having a really down stretch. And again, a lot of that is not just Sutton. But at the same time, you can go back and look at the concepts and see that Bridgewater is working through concepts like He's not always doing it how I want him to. And again, like that to me is a bigger issue than like, 
quote unquote, Teddy checkdown. Like the Teddy checkdown narrative is lazy. I tried to talk about that on Twitter yesterday. It's just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't add up. He actually has a higher, he has the same yards per attempt as Aaron Rodgers. And I want to say when you and I talked about it, he was like sitting around 18th or 16th, something like that. It was like mid teens, like, which is fine. Like, again, yeah. considering like the Broncos problems on the offensive six. line, he's you don't six want in intended air yards. Okay. Yeah. Six, my bad. Um, and then he was tied with Matthew Stafford for air yards to the sticks. So yeah. essentially like, like how far and like him and I think it was, he's ahead of Derek Carr in another measure. Uh, like his aggressiveness percentage, like throwing it into tight windows is about 13%, which is a little over league average, but, but not like, it, it's, it's just crazy to me that we have these really, really dumb narratives. And like, if they were checking down and still converting like to where the numbers are, you'd think that would show up in yards after catch, but it's not. Yep. They're like 28th in yards after catch. So clearly there's a disconnect between this Teddy checkdown narrative and what the what's actually like you could go, oh the numbers are lying to you, but they're just they're just stats. They're well, just that, numbers. It's not manipulated it, it, in any way. And that's the part that's bothering like again, like we can go on this whole tangent for a long time, and I don't want to make you know our whole episode about just complaining about the Teddy Bridgewater narratives. Again, like at the at the end of the day, right, right. And I think you no, no, but like I agree with you on all this. And I think we agree on this. Like I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is a franchise quarterback. I never have. Like, again, I was the guy pining for Justin Fields. I was the guy pining for Aaron Rodgers up until it didn't happen. We were left with Teddy Bridgewater because Peyton didn't go out and get anybody else because he wanted to give Drew Locke a quote-unquote, he felt he owed it to Drew Locke to give him a chance to compete in training camp. And so he grabbed the the one veteran who could feasibly give him a competent quarterback but also potentially lose to Drew Locke. That's That's why we got Teddy Bridgewater. And again... Considering what the Broncos gave up to acquire him, I think it was a great trade. But I think keeping keeping realistic expectations for Teddy Bridgewater is kind of important here. The Broncos acquired him for a six-round pick. The Carolina Panthers are paying $17 million of his salary, which is huge. And at the end of the year, Teddy Bridgewater is a free agent. The Broncos can decide if they want to keep him or not. Most of the numbers suggest that he's been... About average, like there's stuff that'll tell you he's looking pretty good. There's stuff that suggests that he's not pretty good, which is kind of what you expected. He's a limited quarterback yeah. who gives you a competent starter. Not good, competent. Yeah. That yeah, said, I, I think, the, the, the I other think part like, of this um, is just that if the Broncos are going to continue to play him, part of that may very well be the fact that they realize they may end up having to retain him next year because they don't have any other options. And that's why, to me, that's why Peyton's decision to kind of not do anything at quarterback last year looks egregious right now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, like, it's tough because you're either in a spot where you have to give up significant capital to trade trade for a quarterback. And truth be told, in my opinion, I don't think this roster is – in a position where they can afford to do that. Same. Let's talk. I, let, I, just, no, let's, I just don't. Let's touch on this because this is something I've been thinking about a lot too. And I think this is something that I think fan, like, I think we need to have this discussion. And again, the bye week is a perfect time to do this. Aaron Rodgers yeah. is obviously the, the guy that everybody, the Broncos have been rumored. It's been rumored that the Broncos will quote unquote, aggressively pursue Aaron Rodgers. 
I was all in on Aaron Rodgers last year. And and again, I also mentioned multiple times on Twitter. And then I think a couple times on this ep- on, you know, on this show that I'm actually really concerned if the Broncos don't get Aaron Rodgers, that they get him the year after getting him in 2022 doesn't set you up the same way that getting him this year would have, because the Broncos have so many free agents that it's going to be very difficult to retain yes. the, the core parts of the roster that would have made them a Super Bowl contender this year with Rodgers. And that was, you know, obviously assuming Bradley Chubb is healthy, the linebacker core didn't get hurt, like, it, you know, all that stuff. But like... The secondary actually shows up the games. Yeah, plays like we hoped. But but <laughs> looking, looking ahead to 2022, and again, listeners will know, like, the Broncos are going to have a lot of turnover in terms of free agents. We've already lost Vaughn Miller. Bradley Chubb will be on a fifth-year option and quite expensive. Malik Reed will be a, an RFA, more expensive, if they keep him, because that's a question we'll talk about another day. I would But the Broncos roster is going to probably look significantly different and probably younger in a lot of spots and cheaper in a lot of spots if they acquire Aaron Rodgers. And granted, if Aaron Rodgers is every bit as good as he was in 2020, he's going to be able to cover up a lot of those issues. But he'll also be 38 years old, so it's no guarantee that he will be able to do that year after year for the next three or four years. And if you're giving up three-plus first-round picks to get him, you have to ask yourself, are we just doing this so we can stand at a podium in five years to celebrate the fact that he chose us to, to end his career? Yeah. Yeah. Like the only, I think the only way, like, like this trades, like we've seen Rodgers and Russell Wilson be brought up as the main two and each have their own concerns. I mean, like, cause Rogers, yeah, you admit he said he's 38. I think if, if he is hypothetically in Denver by December, he'd be 39. Yep. In, in his first year with Denver. Yep. That's because I think, I believe he turns 38 this coming December. Yep. Um, so there comes with that risk and you have the risk of how much of Aaron Rodgers now, like, cause we saw he was on a, a bit of a decline yep. before Matt LaFleur showed up. And so like how, yep. un- unless you get, unless you hire Nathaniel Hackett, who at the, which at that point, that's just you admitting that we're just getting guys who will please Aaron Rodgers to basically bring everything over from Green Bay into Denver to run the same thing, which it won't be the same. Every it's a, it'd be a, a pale imitation. So, like, unless that's your move, there's a, there's a concern there, and plus his age and the capital. Like, I think the only way Denver wins that is if Rodgers is just like cut me out of my final deal. I just want to be a free agent and I will pick and choose where I want to go. Cause like, he's not a free agent. He still has one more year left on his deal with green Bay. And so like, they don't have to trade him. That's yes. There was a, there was a wink, not agreement Fox sports. I just looked at this Fox sports. Jay Glazer reported that the Packers did agree in a like handshake, like wink, nod type of deal that if Aaron Rodgers wants out after the year, they'll trade him. It's not in writing. Like there is nothing that says they have to trade him. So that's the other part of it. And with that way he's playing, they may not want to, or they may hold out for, you know, the maximum return. And yes, the Broncos have five top 100 picks, but the Dolphins have first round picks, the Eagles. And again, like the Packers will probably want to trade him the AFC, but the Steelers may also. Eagles. Eagles are slated with three top 10 picks. Yep. Right now. Giants have two. I, I believe it's three top 10 picks. Yep. So like 
if if Howie Roseman is sitting there going like, I'm gonna go all in, he could. What's to stop him from sending two top ten picks for Aaron Rodgers? Yep, nothing. And you know Green Bay would probably take that in a heartbeat, like right then and there. And that that gets us to the other trade possibilities. And I think I don't I don't necessarily we don't want to beat him up, but I I do want to touch on it because again. I asked uh, right after the Philly game, you know, what do you think the answer for quarterback is? And I saw a few different answers. So Russell Wilson, you touched on that. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And again, Ugh. I honestly, if the Broncos do acquire Russell Wilson, I'll be excited. But here's the thing. His agent leaked the four teams he would waive his no trade clause for last March. The Broncos weren't a part of that. It was Dallas. It was Dallas. And again, Dallas is out of the running at this point because of Dak. It was the Bears. The Bears are out of the running because they just drafted Justin Fields. So presumably, unless they're trading fields, they're probably not making that deal. But New Orleans, if they can figure out a way to make the money work, they could still potentially be sneaky contenders for Russell Wilson. I still think Sean Payton wants him for sure. And then the other option is the Las Vegas Raiders. And yes, they have Derek Carr, but we're hitting this period where the Raiders are probably going to also look significantly different next year because they just pushed Gruden out the door. Like rightfully so. I'm not I'm not saying it like that. But like they're in a situation where they're going to they're going to hire a new coach. They'll probably hire a new GM and they're going to change all sorts of things. So they could very well be interested in Russell Wilson and yeah. we know that Per his agent last March, they would be open to doing that. And again, that assumes that Seattle trades him. But as of now, yeah. we don't know that the Broncos are even like a consideration. And again, as somebody who is not trying to carry water or like lie to you because of clicks on the radio station or anything like that, like there is no signal that the Broncos are actually in that consideration. And any sort of move by George Payne to try and open that door without knowing is foolish. Like, period. Like yeah. I've, I've heard the Dan Quinn stuff. If the reason you're hiring Dan yeah. Quinn is for Russell Wilson and you don't know Russell Wilson's coming, that's stupid. Yeah. That that's just a waste of time, especially because you just took it to Dan Quinn's defense like a week ago. Exactly. Um, and, the other like, and like Russell Wilson brings, Russell Wilson brings his own problems. Like yeah. Russell Wilson doesn't throw hot. His pocket management is, is abysmal. And with Denver's O-line, like I, like I got into this, Last night with, with a new commenter, like, yes, Russell Wilson raises your ceiling and, and floor significantly, but if he was on this team, he doesn't solve the biggest problems. Nope. He, do, he, does, he doesn't by himself solve the O-line because he takes sacks at a ridiculous rate. It's like 22% on the third down, and, like, the league average is 9, 9%. Like that, like that's just that's awful, and that's been a way his career, his his quick game is just not there. He doesn't read middle of the field coverage, so like it comes about with significant risk. And yeah, he's younger than Aaron Rodgers by a good what six years, seven years. His play style also lends itself I think, to I a think lot Russell of Russell Wilson though. is thirty two. Yeah, he is. Yes, his, yeah, and, and like yeah, and he's already he's been hurt this year already. Yep. Like so, it comes with significant risks, and if you're trying to. And he'll he will cost more than Aaron Rodgers will, I believe. 
I do too. Just because of his youth. The only thing that would so potentially, the only thing that would potentially kind of like deflate his, his, like what it takes to trade for him is the fact that there will be a limited market if he's not willing to go to places. But I agree in terms of like actual yeah. trade value, because he's younger and doesn't have the same kind of like questions about him. It'll, it'll end up costing more in terms of draft capital. The two yeah. other big ones. Uh, and again, like I'm just throwing them out there because I know that you have to, you have to touch on him. Deshaun Watson. Um, presumably he has yeah. a, dis- a disposition. I, again, I'm not advocating for it, but he has a disposition right after the Super Bowl. about nine. I think it's nine days after the Super Bowl. Assuming that he gets clear, I think the Broncos would be interested. We've known, like, publicly the Broncos have denied interest in Deshaun Watson since before training camp. Underneath the hood or behind the scenes, there's been rumors linking the Broncos to Deshaun Watson through the 22 allegations of sexual misconduct, through the season. Like, there's been links from the Broncos to Deshaun Watson since March last year. Um, and I think a little bit earlier, uh, so it is yeah. possible. Yeah. I don't think it happens because I think the dolphins, if, if Deshaun Watson gets clear of his legal situation, I think the dolphins are going to give up the moon for him. Um, I think they were going to, if they could have felt better, the dolphins about, want him. they want him badly. Um, and he's willing to go there and he yeah. is, and he has a no trade clause. And we know because of Aaron Wilson, um, formerly of the Houston Chronicle, that Deshaun Watson is willing to waive his no trade clause for the Dolphins. There's been no reports that he will do so as of right now for Denver. I thought there was, but there isn't. Um, so Deshaun Watson is probably is. not going to happen. Um, you know, you know, pie in the sky, everything works out. You can feel good about it. I still don't think it happens. Um, and then the other one that I think is worth bringing up is uh, I think we should talk a little bit about Matt Ryan just because like that looks like a possibility. Um, I don't know. Oh. Well, I've not heard that at all. No, and there's no, and that's the thing. There's not been any. I've had I've had people bring it up to me. Um, him and Kirk okay. Cousins are the two that like get brought up a lot, like from people, you know, like just like, oh, what should the Broncos do? Kirk Cousins is in a situation where his cap hit is like I want to say it's forty million dollars next year. So like the Vikings are like, and they can't it's cut insane. him. Yeah, they can't cut him. Like if you cut him, you're eating. I want to say it's like twenty eight million in dead cap. I'm not looking at the numbers, so I apologize if that's not perfect. Um, but Matt Ryan is also like a significant cap hit on the roster. Um, and the, and the Falcons, if they are, were willing to rebuild, it could make sense to move him. The two issues for both, both teams, honestly, for the Vikings, they have Mike Zimmer. If they, if they're contending for a playoff berth this year and they make it, they're not going to fire Zimmer. And then they'll still be chasing a playoff berth next year. They're not going to dump Kirk cousins with no backup plan just because the cost, like they'll figure something out. Matt Ryan, because of yeah. Arthur blank, their owner, Arthur blank is like 300 years old. Um, he's on record basically saying he doesn't want to rebuild, which is why they didn't draft a quarterback in 2021. Like if you don't want to have a rebuild, you're not going to sell off your franchise quarterback just cause. And again, I'm not saying that cause that's what I'm hoping for. I, I would love, you know, a quarterback to come out of the sky and save the day. But I'm just thinking like the more I've looked at it, like, I'm going to be real. I, I just, I don't think this is something we should like pine all of our hopes on. Cause I don't think it's going to come to fruition. Yeah. It, you're like, it, like that's what the strategy has kind of felt like was it's just hoping for a miracle in the quarterback department. On I mean, and that's, 
And again, the problem with any of these big trades is it's going to cost you draft picks, so you need to build your team. There's roster. Yeah, this and roster that's... is just not ready for it. Like like the Saints, the Saints make a ton of sense because that that team is built. They're ready. Yep. This Denver team ain't close. Like and, and like in the off season, we could have kind of fooled ourselves, and I think that narrative is still kind of coming through. But like, so let's with, touch... with like the total performance, but it's not ready for that kind of move. So let's touch on that because like, and we'll touch on that first with the offense and then that'll give us a good segue into like what's going on with the defense. Cause the, the defense honestly was the okay. bigger issue in the Eagles game to me than the offense. And again, the offense wasn't good, but the defense was abysmal and the special the defense team, was embarrassing. The defense was embarrassing. Embarrassing was and, the defense and the special teams is a pariah, but it's been a pariah all season because atomic man. Same thing. And yeah, but, but on offense, the Broncos biggest issue is to me. And again, I want to hear your thoughts. Obviously the offensive line, um, and again, I love, and I, I've said this more than once, as much as I liked the, the decision to get Javante Williams, because I love Javante Williams, the fact that the Broncos traded up, took a running back, didn't do anything to fix their right tackle situation. We got to see what happens when Bobby Massey's not healthy and signing Bobby Massey, you knew he wasn't going to play in every game. Like anybody rational yeah. knew that he was going to miss time at some point because he's always, he's missed time every year since I want to say 20, 2014. So like, it's like Bryce Callahan. You you play Bryce Callahan knowing that he's not going to play in every game, just realistically. And the Broncos back up to Bobby Massey was Calvin Anderson, who's playing for Bulls. So we saw Cam Fleming, and Cam Fleming looked pretty bad. So, But the offensive line is definitely an issue, and the tackle situation isn't an issue that's going to be solved immediately because if you draft a tackle, they typically take two to three years to develop, which is why yeah. they should have drafted one last year. Yeah. And, and like that's that's kind of the problem with my concerns with how this staff is is running because like I agree there seems to be no investment in the offensive line because like because at at some point like like we we had talked about this after the Jets game and after the Baltimore game Quinn Miners has had the best games of their offensive line. Like, period. Of, of any player, Quinn Miners has been the best. And they just refused to play him. And it took until Glasgow was out for the entire season for Quinn Miners to break into the lineup. And lo and behold, he looks like the Quinn Miners has continued to just kick butt. Yeah. And, like, we knew he was going to be. Like, yep. when they drafted him, we were like, this guy's better than Cushenberry. We knew he was. And they just were like, Whatever, and they never they neglected right tackle. The depth is just kind of whatever, and, and like the guys up front aren't playing well. No, like, like period, and that and that's a problem. That's a big like, problem. I don't care. I don't care about Teddy checkdown and all that that crap. Honestly, if if the Broncos' because, like, offensive line was better, well up front. if the Broncos' offensive line was better, they could survive with Teddy checkdown on offense because they'd be able to run the ball consistently in short yardage and control the clock better. And again, that would that would highlight the if, play calling issue. If if the O line was playing better, uh, they 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 probably have at least one or two more wins. Yes, in, in my opinion, I agree. Yeah, and and and, and the issues and, on the offensive like, that's, line. That's just... Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, and like. What what's ironic is as good as Javante Williams is, and I love Javante Williams. There's nothing wrong with Javante Williams, but like I just kind of find it a little ironic that 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 they traded up for Javante Williams, and two picks later went 
I think it was two picks later went Landon Dickerson, who just absolutely kicked the crap out of them on Sunday because Landon Dickerson is awesome and was one of the best offensive line prospects last year. And they just were like, they didn't just like, whatever we drafted Quinn Miners. We might not even play him. It's cool. That to me is an organizational problem because like, like I, I keep talking about new Orleans, like they always invest in the trenches and, and lo and behold, every year they they're contending. Line. Well, and one of the things is too, and again, the problem with tackle, and again, I sound like a tackle bro, and I know that's a meme, but the problem with tackle is, like I said, I if you draft if you draft a guy, it tends to take unless you hit like on a on an outlier. Most rookie tackles struggle. Most of the time, tackles take two to three years to really kind of put it together because there's a lot to learn, and they have to deal with a lot of guys who have studied them and will beat you with your their technique. So you have to actually kind of work over time to build that muscle memory and really figure it out and adjust to the speed of the game. And so if you're trying to solve the issue by just going into free agency, if a tackle is worth a damn, they're going to cost a lot of money or they're not in free agency. Or they're not in free agency. Yeah. And that's how you end up paying. It's it's very, very rare. That's how you end up paying like $20 million for Juwan James because he was the, he was an okay tackle in free agency, but he was the best of the bunch. So somebody had to pay him and John Elway did. That's how you end up getting tied to Garrett Bowles. So much money. Yes, they, they didn't have any other choice because so has been the only left tackle. But quarter, quarterback in the offensive line, to me, are the big issues on offense. I think, like, and de- yeah. again, depending on what they do with Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick, I feel pretty good about the receiver core yeah. next year, even though I that think was, KJ, Hamler, other... KJ Hamler's injury is obviously going to be a little bit of a murky thing. Um, Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton, what you do, is going to be a big, big question hanging over Peyton, and he's got to have a decision to make, and he has to make the right one yeah. or right two, honestly. Um, yeah, and like that, that's part of why where I stand is it's like you don't know what this receiving room is look like because, like, why why would Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick stay? Uh, like, I, other than like a sense of organizational duty or a lot of money, yeah. If, if they're getting three million dollars less to go play with like Justin Herbert or like somebody in the NFC with, with the contending quarterback, right? like why wouldn't you? Because like you don't know what the quarterback is. If if Teddy's still the guy, Cortland Sutton may be like, well, I you know my stats kind of dipped last year with Teddy. Like, like, like it, it, there's a very real possibility both could leave, yep. and we couldn't fault either one of them for doing so. Yep. Assuming like leaving that, then we move to the defense, and again, like, Ugh. I don't. Yeah, no, and. And and here's the thing that's like really tough for me with the defense. And I was thinking about this in the last couple of days, like since, you know, since Philly, like I went back over, you know, went back over this tape, what, like looked it over. The Broncos have a lot of injuries, but the Broncos injuries on defense are concentrated to essentially two spots. They are down really bad at edge and they are down really bad at linebacker. They are healthy along the defensive line and they're almost mostly healthy in the secondary. Like if you, you know, if you count Sertan playing as healthy, like, even though I know he's less than hundred percent, yes, they're missing Bryce right. Callahan. Um, and yes, Mike Purcell is playing hurt, but like the front line and the back line are both relatively healthy. So the defense being as bad as it is and as bad as it's been all season, it goes beyond the injuries. Like there is an actual, there are actually issues with the talent on the roster for the defense to be performing so poorly. And yes. 
part of it, and again, the edge issue is definitely a big part of the pass issue because there's no pass rush. Like there's just legitimately there's no pass rush at all. Honestly, and there's barely any run defense. When when Jonathan Cooper is the best player in the front seven, and he's a seventh round rookie. First of all, he's been awesome. Like and, and he's continued to look yes. pretty damn good. So if you guys are looking for like somebody to focus on every game, even though the overall score is kind of annoying, Jonathan Cooper is the guy to watch. Watch 53. You'll be happy you did so. You're welcome. But I mean, without like beyond him, there's no pass rush. Malik Reed has looked. Yeah. He's looked bad all year. And I've been, I've been trying to be nice because I keep hoping he'll put it together. I don't know if it's the hip injury. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but he he's looked really yeah. sorry in run defense and he's a non-factor as a pass rusher. Like basically, if the Broncos, good way to put it. But if the Broncos aren't using him on stunts, he's not. He's a non-factor. He just doesn't even. He might as well not be out there. Yeah. Like against the Eagles, it made more sense to play Stephen Weatherly because he at least he's a, decent, yeah. he's a decent run defender. And they didn't do it. They played Malik Green most of the game, and it was an issue. Yeah, and Philly, Philly would look they went where after he him. was and ran right at him. Yep, every play. I mean, like there's a third down where Jalen Hurts just like almost practically walks to the sideline because Malik Reed just couldn't keep up with him and run defense and was like so poorly angled to him. And like, it happened over and over and over again. And this coaching staff was like, I, I don't know. He just needs to execute better. Like, no, get him off the field, get him off the field. Like he, he was targeted. Like when you have a player who is expl- exclusively targeted, that's a problem. Like, I, like it, and it happened. And, repeatedly and, and it's continued to happen and that's my all, concern every game it happened in the browns yeah. game to the point again curtis robinson and malik reed struggles and run defense are not a secret like when they both were on the field against the eagles there's no way vic fangio didn't know that they were going to have issues because in the browns game the browns attacked both of them and attacked the heck out of them like they both had really bad games on that thursday night meltdown where dearness johnson ran for 100 was 130 yards um, yeah, because, because the over. edge couldn't hold up and Curtis Robinson, he's just not, he's not ready. And again, I'm not saying this to try and, you know, damn him. He's a rookie. He's an undrafted rookie who probably nobody planned for him to play significant snaps, but it's at a situation where your run defense is so poor with him on the field that to me, it makes more sense to run dime and just deal with the fact you're light because at least Kane Stearns knows how to fill. Yeah. yeah. And Justin Simmons can too. Like yeah, Simmons, Simmons is not afraid to fill. Like we saw it on one of the fourth down stops last week against Dallas. Yeah. He flew right in there to tackle, I think it was Zeke Elliott. Head on. Like, not a lot of safeties will go one-on-one with Zeke Elliott in the hole. No. They won't. And, and so, like, that kind of speaks to the guys they have in the safety room. And it's just, just, to me, I think the most damning thing of the defense is the fact that Fangio just refuses to adjust. Kind of, yeah. Because we're, right, at a, like we're, at a, we're at a point where it needs to happen because just the issues at linebacker are so severe that the Eagles, like the Eagles running game, they weren't even doing anything fancy. They were running their game. Fancy. And it's and just power. It's, it's, it's just it's, pretty much right up the middle, right up the it's, gut. It's inside. And then Jalen Hurts will take it outside. It's a lot of inside zone. And, and again, like everybody in the league runs inside zone. So like, there's going to be weeks down the stretch where the Broncos probably look a little bit better in run defense just because the opposing offensive line isn't as good. And the fact that Jalen Hurts is such a, yeah. And the fact that Jalen Hurts is such a threat as a runner does change the math a little bit because the edges and the safeties do have to respect him. 
but inside zone, you can run inside zone with Ben Roethlisberger, like the the Steelers do. Like you don't need a good quarterback, like you don't need a fast quarterback to do it. And the problem is the Broncos are having issues with Shelby Harris and Draymond Jones and run defense. Like they're they're doing okay, but you can tell that the design of the defense is built around the idea that the safeties are going to come down and help, and Alexander Johnson's going to plug a lot of the problems, and he's not there anymore. Yeah, and, and like that's the thing with Philly is it's like all game they kept going cover zero and cover one. Yep, and they've been they've been a pretty heavy man coverage team. So the overall this season. More than I thought they'd be. And more, yeah, definitely more than. But when you look at earlier in the year when they played Lamar Jackson, they played a season-high numbers of quarters, yep. which surprised me when I was looking at that, the uh, the kneel down, you know, that the stats. All yeah, that. Ryan They Wilson. had season-high cover. Yeah, they had season-high cover four against Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. And then when they played Trevor Lawrence, it was a lot of cover three, I believe cover six, their their version of the their, their version of cover six. Um, and the same thing with with Daniel Jones. Like they like they just didn't play a lot of man against those guys because it frees up the run game for quarterbacks. It 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 just naturally will. And they did it over and over and over again against Philly. Like and, and that's what was so confusing. It, it just didn't make any sense. No, and that's where I was at too, because, and again, for listeners, if you don't already know this, and again, those of you who do, I apologize, but running man coverage, because your cornerbacks are going to be locked onto their targets, they're going to be, a, it's a lot harder for them to help and run defense because the receiver will run them off and the DB doesn't even like really look at the quarterback because they're following the receiver. So by the time Jalen Hurts is escaping the pocket and starting to run into the secondary, Patrick Zertan has to turn, look off the receiver he's covering to come up and help. So it makes his job harder. It makes Ronald Darby's job harder, yeah. right? Like, and, and, that, and, that frees up, and that frees up the receiver. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, so it, it ends up creating a conflict, which is exactly why running quarterbacks tend to create explosive plays like that. Because if you're going to run cover one, you're in a situation where it's either or. You either are dealing with receivers getting downfield or you're not going to have DBs helping you in the run game. That's why a lot of teams run yeah. a lot of cover three against Lamar Jackson because they need to keep eyes on him. Yeah. And, and like, they would just, they would go cover zero and just blitz. Yeah. And like and a, a lot of time. And, and like Jalen hurts for all of his faults as a passer is a pretty damn tough runner. Yes. Like he's going to make the first guy miss. He's just going to do that. And, and guess what? If he makes that first guy miss, there's nobody else there to stop him because the DBs are all downfield the linebackers blitzed. Oh, they're now out of position to help. And it was just repeatedly over and over and over. He would get these wide open lanes in the running lane. And this isn't even talking about him attacking them in the passing game. Because we could get into that. He was like good at three things and Denver didn't do a single thing to take away any of those things. <laughs> like, and, and it was just over. And then they like, Philly runs the most screens in the NFL and everybody knows Jalen hurts and they just kept running man. Yep. And people were like, what, what? And they kept blitzing. And then sure enough, Quez Watkins would get the screen and he'd get a chunk play off of it. Yep. And you're like, well, but you knew that was going to happen. And it was just over and, and over and over. And again, we, you mentioned this, the Eagles didn't do much in offense in the second half. So I do, I do think Fangio did do a decent job adjusting a little bit 
like they, they definitely took they, the, they also took that foot off the gas. They did. No, and, and I was gonna yeah, I was gonna say that. But to me, and to your point, it's kind of disconcerting that the Broncos went into that game with the game plan to begin with, because the things that the Eagles were doing successfully were all things that I wrote about right before the game and said they were gonna do. Like, and this this has happened multiple times this year, like on defense and offense. Like there's been times where like and again, I'm not saying I know more than Fangio. I'm not saying I know more than Sherm or anything like that. But like you just mentioned it, like the Eagles run the most screens in the league. Like everybody knew it. It's on, it's, it's out there. Like the numbers are out there. How are the Broncos surprised by it? Yeah. So in like, and like Jalen Hurts as a passer, like the, like the last three, three weeks or so, pretty much the whole month of November against Detroit and against the Chargers when they really, shifted their entire approach they went heavy personnel to run the ball better they went like they're just exclusively throwing rollouts getting Jalen hurts out of the pocket even though he'll naturally do it but like they'll do that and then it'll be play action shots yep and like that's it that's their passing attack that's what it is like very like he had a few he had a few more dropbacks standard dropbacks in this game than normal but by and large it's those three things he played and Denver game. just Denver just didn't do a single thing against it like they were in cover one I believe on that out and up that Devonta Smith scored yeah why because you knew they were going to hit play action you knew it was going to happen because it's their staple. And guess what? It happened, and they got beat on it. Grant Sertan had great coverage. Like I'm not faulting Sertan at all for the touchdown. It was a great play by Devontae Smith. Mm-hmm. But like he shouldn't have been in that position to begin with, period. Mm-hmm. Because that he shouldn't have been able to throw the route because it should have been not available schematically, and it was. So in terms of like going forward, because we were talking about the draft picks and like why the Broncos shouldn't you know give away other draft picks. The big issues that I see on defense that I think the Broncos are going to have to try and solve in terms of like long term. And again, I, I'm not I'm not in the point where I'm ranking it yet. So like because, you know, and we can talk about that. But I mean. Kareem Jackson's gone after this year, like realistically, he's almost definitely gone. We don't know yet if Caden Stearns is going to be able to play that spot. I think he's going to get the first chance at it. Um, But we, we it's no guarantee yet him or Jamar Johnson are actually the solution. It's at safety Um, ones that, you know, they're both fifth rounders. Um, the linebacker core is going to look significantly different after this year. Um, the Broncos may retain Alexander Johnson. They may retain Josie Jewell. They won't retain both. Um, I don't think I like, tell me, tell me if I'm wrong, because again, you've actually watched Kenny young with the Rams quite a bit. I see a guy like he's okay. He's definitely fast. Like linebacker. If I'm playing, if I'm playing him in Madden, I love him. Like he's the kind of linebacker I love in Madden, but in real life, like he's a good sideline to sideline chase guy. He's not a guy in a three, four where he's going to help you at the point of attack a whole lot because he doesn't have a lot of extra beef. Like Alexander Johnson, he is not both good and bad. Like he's faster, but he's not as stout. Yeah. Yeah, Like like Kenny Young with the Rams was able to do a lot of his game because like Eric Donald took like three blockers. Yeah. Right. And and, and Kenny, I love Kenny Young. Like I thought at the time the move was was great because I still it's, think it's, it's a good move. I don't for a yeah. starting linebacker. I don't have a problem with the move. And, like, I just Kenny don't Young, think you're I don't think you're gonna pay him big money to come back. No, no, like, like 
truth, truth be told, I think your I think your linebacker room next year is Josie Jewell and Baron Browning. That's my guess. Like, I, th- like, I think that's what I think they'll. I think they take Jewell over Johnson. I, I don't know too. if it's what I, I would necessarily do, but but yeah, I think it'll be Jewell in part because he's younger. And I also think that they'll yeah. be able to get him for a little bit cheaper because the charting numbers are going to be better for Johnson. His marker is probably going to be better unless there's concerns about the injury stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so like my concern with the, with the deep, with the defense next year is going to be the corner room and the defensive line, like your pass rush and your run defense. Cause like the are corner you- room, Kyle Fuller and Callahan are both free agents. Yes. Right. Darby's Darby's been hurt consistently. Yep. So you have Sertan and even Sertan's been hurt. The Broncos paid so Ronald like, Darby okay. big money after his one healthy season in the NFL. And I said that in the off season and everybody said I was being a hater, but realistically Ronald Darby has been hurt every single year in the NFL, except for 2020. Except and for the, one. And the Broncos paid him a big money extent, like big money contract off of that. And again, the cap numbers aren't terrible. Um, it is a movable deal after next year, but the Broncos gave him $30 million off of his one healthy season. So like that is, again, it's a concern. Um, in terms of the defensive yeah, line, you bring that up. Like, and, oh, go ahead. Sorry. It, it, like I, I was just going to kind of tie it in. The good news for Denver is that this upcoming draft class is really good on the defensive line, especially in the edge department. Like this this 2022 edge class is probably the best I've ever scouted. Just period. And this corner class is just as good. Like this corner class is awesome. So like those three top like right now they have three top sixty picks. Like if they don't go all in on a quarterback, they could just re- totally replenish the defense with, with how good this upcoming class is. You, you know what kills me about that? Last year was the year that I, that I was arguing vehemently that the Broncos need to take a, tw- you know, take a 2021 quarterback and they took a franchise corner. This is going to be the offseason where I'm saying that they need to take a franchise corner and they're going to draft a quarterback. Probably. Yeah. God damn it. And like, <laughs> I hate it. And, and like, but like there's, there's some good quarterbacks. Like, like everybody – Yes, it's not anywhere close to 2021. Are any of these guys as talented as Justin Fields? Hell no. Not not even not even in the same stratosphere. My my thing is but like I if they're gonna take a quarterback this year, based on the guys I've seen, again, I've I haven't studied everybody yet. I've watched like a game of everybody at this point, except for Desmond Ritter, because I don't have 2021 since EL twenty two. I'm trying to get yeah, it. Guys so listening, if anybody has it, I will I don't even know what I'll do, but I will owe you big time if I if you can hook me up with it. But but based on you, what I've you're seen, you're not missing much with Desmond Ritter. <laughs> I mean, but it's just I, I just want to get my eyeballs on him, so I, I you know I don't feel like I'm. But like yeah. of the guys I've watched, from what I've watched, you can talk me into Malik Willis just because the upside. Because that's my biggest issue with this class is I see a lot of guys who are probably going to be decent QB twos. I don't see anybody where I'm saying yeah he's definitely going to be a Pro Bowl quarterback. I don't see one. I see Malik Willis if you if you have the time to develop. There's, there's a couple of guys that I that I I, I like I, I really like um, of the big names. I I don't I wouldn't draft like Kenny Pickett round one. I I just I like that. That's just my style. I I wouldn't because mm-hmm. uh, like typically with guys like him, 
like like the thing with Mac Jones was he had no physical tools at all, period. And and that's the same with Kenny Pickett. And Kenny Pickett comes in with the smallest hands in like NFL history at yep. eight and a quarter. And he's twenty four, which is or he's going to be twenty four. Yeah, but he's not as like mentally precise as yeah. Mac Jones was. And that's the thing that people so, are like, overlooking with Mac Jones. There. Yeah. And then, like, Matt Corral is fun. Matt Corral is a lot of fun. But, Here, like, you ha- he's not he's not in an offense that's thank you. exclusive, that's similar to NFL. I was going to say, the thing that I always notice when I'm watching Matt Corral is that every time I watch him, because I'm, I'm watching him and I'm taking notes. Here's the notes that I, I write multiple times. Really cool concept. Really cool play. Like I'm not, I'm not writing a lot of like, damn, great throw or man. I really like that read by him. It's wow. That was a really cool concept. Cool. I wish, you know, I wish Shermer would do this. And it's like, you're not drafting. You're not drafting Lane Kiffin. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer. He can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply no and i don't I, want him I as head coach Yeah, I think we saw how that went. Um, yeah. in, 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 I think we, think we all know how that would win. But, like, of this upcoming class, like, yeah, you could kind of sort of maybe make an argument with Ritter off of physical tools. He's, if, like, if Josh Allen gets kind of thrown out as the, oh, well, you know, Josh Allen was inaccurate, but, like, so is Desmond Ritter. Like, yeah. Ritter erases so much separation. By his receivers and that well, that's a huge problem for me that's and, why he won't grade out well for me and realistically so does willis like i, I want to be honest with that because again like i don't want everybody to yeah, stay on yeah. like stuff willis, willis. not i like willis based on the idea that if you get the right coach and you know you know he's one of those guys who puts his footwork together you might have something special because as a runner he's electric like he is very good at that and he's willing to to put the ball out like he's a guy who's going to make a lot of broken plays the problem I see on tape is that his footwork is every bit as bad as Drew Locke's was. So what's going to happen is you're going to have a lot of spraying and you, you better have a plan if yeah. you want to draft that guy. And, and there's virtually just no in-structure play no. reads. Like a lot of it is just him breaking the play, like him breaking the play and just doing whatever he wants to freestyling. And it's and like, like, that's okay. That's okay in college. At the college level, but yeah. in the NFL, like, like that's that's just not gonna translate. It's one yeah. of those and things so like, that the longer you watch him, the more you realize why Auburn didn't play him over Bonix. And that's saying something. Yeah, like, no, it is. Also, Malik Willis. Malik Willis is a year younger than Lamar Jackson. Yeah, just a year. Like a, a Lamar Jackson came in very young, but for people trying to say, "Oh, these is another Lamar Jackson," like. He's just a year younger than Lamar Jackson, who's four years into his NFL career. So, like, like there, there's an age thing there. Who do who do you like though? I know you, and I and I want I, I think it's going to be Sam Howell, and it's okay. We're going to argue about that. I apologize. Yeah. 
but but I want to mention the other one because again, you said it's not that bad, and I want to say like I am very down on this class. If you're looking for a starting quarterback, I think if you're looking to take a gamble on, like if you have a starting quarterback and you want to take a guy with the hope that maybe he develops, I think this is a great class. Like if you're if you're the Seahawks and you're keeping Russell Wilson, but you want to get insurance against him, this is a great class to take a guy and like hopefully he learns. I don't like him for like I don't like this class for where Denver's at where they need a guy. Um, Carson Strong. I want to touch touch on him just because I'm worried about the knee. Yeah, like, I'm I'm very worried about the knee. I, I very much. Yeah, the knee the knee is a huge problem. It, it's a it's a huge red flag for a lot of people. Like like the knee. I, I, this may have been a slight exaggeration, but it's kind of like, it, it, I was told you know how the Rams were concerned about Todd Gurley's knee. Yeah, there's there's some people with that kind of sentiment, and like and like Carson Strong is a good quarterback. Like yeah. Strong is really good, but like when you kind of don't have that mobility, and you have a knee that's consistently flagged medically like that, like he could he could come in and really show the world, like and be a really good quarterback. Like on film, it's there, but the the, the concerns with that medically are really tough to ignore. It is. And like going back, going to like Howell, I don't love Howell. I was just like, giving you shit. But like if he's if if he's Denver's choice of like trading up in the end of the first round for a quarterback, I don't necessarily mind it. Because it's like I would rather them trade up and take a shot on developing Howell versus them being just like stuck with picket, you know. I'm so torn on the idea of trading up for a guy at the end of the first for, for two reasons on one. I think it's smart. Like, and again, this is like in Madden, I do this every time. And again, I, I hate to keep going back to Madden cause some people hate that I do that, but like in Madden, it, it is, it's smart. <laughs> well, it is, it's smart. You get the fifth year option. And if you're smart about it, just because you traded up to 32 doesn't mean you have to actually necessarily look at that guy as like, he is definitely our quarterback. What you're doing is you're grabbing the guy. So you have that extra year. The problem is most NFL, actually, I don't know of any NFL decision maker that hasn't shown that they'll do this. You trade up for a guy and he's in the first, he's a first rounder. So then you're going to be committed to him to make sure he makes you look smart. And I don't think that's going to be Howell. I just, I think if you're drafting Howell, um, again, maybe I'm wrong. I see a guy who maybe he's a rookie, rookie contract quarterback. I don't, I don't see him as a guy you want to build around long-term. Because I think all the limitations you get with Baker Mayfield are there in Howell's game as well. And I don't think Howell's as talented as Baker Mayfield. I think he's a better runner, but I don't think he's a good, I don't think he's a good athlete. So I don't think that's necessarily going to translate in the same way that people hope it will. I think he's going to be a guy who will run and gain three yards. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will tell you a name that popped up today for me. And if, I don't mean popped up today, but like I sat and watched today because I had a lot of people tell me that his last game was phenomenal. I needed to watch it. And if Elway has any sort of possible say in the decision, his name is going to be up there. Phil Dracovic, the quarterback for Boston College. Yeah. No, I liked him before he got hurt. And, on, and honestly, his game against Georgia Tech was awesome. I will like, go back and watch he, it. He's not fully, he's not fully 100%. Mm-hmm. healthy but he was he was dealing against georgia tech and he was making plays with his legs like if by the end of november and come december and come draft time we start to see his name come back up in first round mocks it's that's why 
It'd be, I mean, he's 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 very physically talented. Uh, and Boston College's scheme isn't like Lane Kiffin's. It's a lot of it, it's it's more pro style than mm-hmm. you would imagine. Um, and so like he already has an advantage there versus Malik Willis and Matt Corral and you know, and even Sam Howell because Phil Longo's playbook is like twenty plays at North Carolina. Like like it's notorious for being under 25, 30 plays. Yeah. So like he he has an advantage there. He's super talented and he's he fits the bill of like the physically like the big tall quarterbacks. He's got a great arm. He can move. Unlike Carson Strong, he can move. And, and so like that to me, like he's he's another name that if it starts to pop up on Denver's radar, I'd be like, I'd I would be more comfortable drafting him because he has the upside than Kenny Pickett. I, I, I would. My whole thing is like, and this is, and again, people get mad at me about this. Cause like, I think this 2022 class could be every bit at the, in the top of it. I feel like it could be every bit as bad as like 2013. That said, what makes it different than 2013 is like, there's a decent chance that somebody's going to get a day three steal out of this class, just because there are a lot of guys that look like they could hey, be hey, possible. Yeah, they, they, they look like they, they'll be limited but could be passable starting quarterbacks in the right situation if you if you get that right. But those aren't guys you draft in the first round. Like those aren't necessarily like you know what I mean? You don't you don't go out of your way to try and steal Mark Bolger in the first round. You you take yeah. him on day three and hope that you got it right. Oh, but but PFF told me Mark Bolger was a great comp for Mac Jones. Uh anyway, anyways. Uh um like this this sorry this draft class like on the day day three developmental guys guys like caleb ellaby out of western michigan i love ellaby uh bailey zappy for western kentucky has had a lot of draft buzz i think he'll he'll probably be a senior bowl invite if he's not already he'll probably end up in the senior bowl um there's another one that i'm blanking i had jake hayner on a fresno state just kind of like he feels yeah. like, oh, he's fun, but yeah, he's fun, but I don't know if I'm if I'm willing to bet the farm. There's always that kind of allure with Spencer Rattler. Oh man, yeah. Like, I, like I'm just I'm just throwing oh, a name. I'm, like, no, you, can't, I'm, you can't rule him out declaring. Here's the thing, like, um, and no, and if he declares, the thing is, like, I would take a chance on might, day three. He might still go round one. He might still no, go no, round he one and he might, he, he very might, and that's my thing. Like, I would not want to be that team. But like if he's if he's have if he has a good pre-draft circuit, you know, like workouts, combine, all that stuff, like I could talk myself into it in the top 100 since the Broncos have so many picks. I'm still not going to feel great about it because I don't really like the idea of I don't I don't like second round quarterbacks on in theory just because most franchises do treat them like first round quarterbacks even though there's a reason they didn't go in the first round. Um yeah. but that said, like I could see the appeal of Spencer Rattler because the talent's there. Um, yeah, but you're gambling that the he's other- going to be able to put it together after he spent time with Lincoln Riley. So like, that's a concern to me. That's it's like, if you draft an Alabama defensive tackle and he's raw, that's a problem. Like there's, there's a problem if that yeah. guy is raw after four years with Nick Saban. If you draft an Alabama DB and he doesn't know what he's doing on the field, that's, that's like, exactly. Bother, you know, uh, but like the other name was Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee, okay. who is basically Basically tall, really athletic, huge arm, and then there's yourself. Like so he's an Elway guy. That, in that, that, <laughs> he's 
he's just that that's just that's the appeal of him and he he'll probably be another senior bowl invite if he keeps playing like this uh, and like it's, i've heard i heard somebody call him discount malik willis and like i don't I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because I think there are areas like like the placement on his deep ball I think is a little better than Blake Wills's. Okay, but like like he can he can sling it like Hendon Hooker can sling it. It's just he plays with Josh Heupel and Josh Heupel just has a tendency to just ruin the quarterback. Um, but like it, there's some guys at on day three that if Denver was like you know take a like, shot if they say like they. It's like if they end up franchise tagging Teddy, which I know would just oh god, can you imagine the, the radio discourse? The bases? Oh my god, yeah, oh like god. we'll we'll basically so. just have to I'll, like I'll have to mute half of like the Broncos analysts off Twitter just because like I won't I won't want to deal with that I won't want to deal with that for three months. Yeah, like, it's just it'll be it'll be too much. Yeah, and, and, but like if that's the case and they're just like, hey, we want to take a shot on one of those guys, like I can't fault them because they're talented guys. Yeah, well, no, yeah, like, I, like, I don't have a problem. Like, with, this, like this quarterback class isn't like the difference between this quarterback class between this year and last year is the talent at the top. Yeah. Because last year was phenomenal at the top and they just had no depth, just yeah. trash. And this is straight the opposite. after. I mean, like Kyle, me, this is the opposite. Yeah. This, this class. Yeah. The exact opposite. But, but the problem is like, yeah, to me, the problem when you have that opposite problem is even though the Bronco, even though this year's class is going to be weak at the top because of the need, a lot of these day two guys are going to go day one. A lot of these day three guys are going to slide into day two. Like we're going to see a lot of day two quarterbacks this year. And it's going to be a question of like, is that guy really a day two quarterback? Or are we just desperate. And it's kind of like one of those things where it's yeah. like you're at, you're at the bar at 2 a.m. You don't want to go home alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like to me, that kind of felt like what. Kyle Trask and Kellen Mond and Davis Mills were at, at the last year. Cause like they all went within like five, six picks of each other, Yep. but none of them are good. Like yep. Kyle Trask was awful. I mean, like it, Kellen Mond couldn't play. And Davis Mills was like a total joke. Like why, why am I watching Davis Mills? Really? Like you're going to make me sit and watch Davis Mills. But like, you know, like I think in the end of the third, I think it's like, Pittsburgh, Detroit, New Orleans are three teams that have comp picks. If one of those is a quarterback or several quarterbacks, like yeah, like they'll they'll take him there because why not? Well, and that way you take a guy in the third round so you can justify like giving him a shot if you're you know if you have no other hope that year. But realistically, that guy's probably just getting you to your next franchise quarterback is what's happening. Like Davis Mills. Like if the Texans had their way, Davis Mills is basically driving the ship to whoever they can draft this year. And because like there's no quarterback, it made sense to put Tyrod Taylor back out. Yeah. Yeah. And Tyrod started the year fine. Yeah. Like Tyrod started the year really good. So kind of surprising everybody. But like I just the way that this class is shaping up, like you had said earlier, like they shouldn't have taken that like they shouldn't take a quarterback because they should have taken one last year, yep. but because they just literally don't have any other options, they probably will this year. Yep. And that and, to me, and, and like the sad part of that is the sad part of that is just like the edge class and the corner class and this linebacker group is shaping up to be pretty good. 
there's a lot of talented wide receivers and tight ends, and the O-line class is looking really good, too. Like, there's talent almost everywhere else yep. in this class. It's a good draft to have like, five top 100 picks if you're not going to bundle them all together to waste on a quarterback. Yeah, yeah. And, like, yes, a quarterback would elevate the floor and ceiling. Like, like an upgrade would. But at the same time, like, you have to be realistic where your roster stands. So, like, New Orleans making that move? Yes, undoubtedly. But, like, Denver's got significant problems on both sides of the ball. And with the amount of turnover they're playing, like, they need, I think this team needs another strong free agent and draft class hall before we can sit there and say, yeah, if they get the quarterback now, they'll be ready. Well, and I think part of this, and this is something that a lot of Broncos fans are going to have trouble kind of grasping. Because again, like when a team has talent, you just continue to believe like, oh, it's going to keep getting better and better and better. Because again, it's easy to do that in Madden. I do that every year. That's why I have a 99 overall team. I also trade for every draft pick. So I have like 100, I have first round picks like 1 through 20. But but in, in real life, like again, with the Broncos having an exodus at linebacker, they're going to potentially have an exodus at wide receiver. Their right tackle situation is going to be a question mark again. Um, question of quarterback and all the solutions in terms of like a veteran are going to be expensive in terms of either dollars or dollars and draft capital. So like the Broncos in 2022 are probably going to have less talent than the opening roster of this year's team. The, the, the thing that Peyton has to do to like really like do his job is make sure they have the right talent at the right spots to make up the difference. But because the quarterback situation is so murky, it's hard to say that he will. Yeah. And like that's that's the thing is that Peyton's first draft haul was has so far looked really good. It looks really good, but like, it was like also real. Let's be real though. I want to I want to say it was also yeah. really safe. It was safe. It was a yeah, safe like, draft. It, and we we question not taking a quarterback. The the trade up for a running back we can we can talk about, but like but he hit a minors. The, of the guys he, he hit a minors. Yeah, of the guys he picked, he looks like he's hit on Sertan. Yeah, I, I like he Sertan to me looks like he's got a future All Pro capability. Uh, Javante Williams has been honestly a little better than I was expecting him to be. Like, I I like Michael Carter more, just because I thought Michael Carter was so was so far ahead mental processing wise. Mm-hmm. But you know, Javante Williams is inexperienced and it's kind of slowly started to come together for him. And he's he's been a, I would say. Right now, I'd say comfortably. I'd be like, yeah, he's been worth it. He, Quinn Miners, it looks like he's hit on. Baron Browning kind of has flashes here and there of some good play. I am concerned I, like, he about could be the, long-term. the injuries. And again, like you can't. it's not his fault necessarily, but I am concerned about Baron Browning being as banged up as he is all the time. That is a concern. Yeah. 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 And then like Caden Stearns in the fifth. It looks really good. Yeah. I mean, Caden Stearns. It's, honestly, truthfully, Caden Stearns has probably been my biggest surprise of the Broncos season. Him and him and Jonathan Cooper, yeah, just kind of coming out of nowhere. And, and like Jamar Johnson was, was a really good prospect as well, who slipped as well. So, like, they've had good players. Like they drafted good players. Jamar Johnson to me and, always looked like he was being drafted for the next regime because I I never really saw him as a really strong fit for Fangio. Because like the things he's best at, like coverage, ball play, you know, playing the ball in the air, stuff like that, those play in Fangio's system. But he like my biggest question about him was running the alley and filling against a run. 
and playing out a too high system with Fangio, you're going to be asked to do that almost every play. So just, that was like my big concern with him. But that said, like the fact he's not playing this year to me does not signify that he's a bad player. Just, he might not be the right fit. So he's just not Fangio's kind of guy. Exactly. So he may, he may very well kind of of ironic because they keep playing cover one, but that's true. But, but like, but you know, and then Jonathan Cooper kind of coming in out of nowhere, really, and being as good as he is. I mean, and Jonathan Cooper isn't probably won't be a superstar pass rusher. No, like, probably he's not. just not the physically capable kind of guy of doing so. Can he be a very good rusher? Yeah, yeah, he could be a good number two. And That's... getting that in the seventh round is a steal. That's yeah. a steal. And and to that point, and again, I'm not. I agree with you because I think his issues with length are going to be a problem like down the road. I think that's going to be a thing that he's just going to have to try and play around and it's going to be limiting against better tackles. He fell in the seventh because of his heart. Like I, I like in terms of talent, I know you know this, but for our listeners, he was probably like a fourth round guy in terms of like his profile before the heart issue became like really flagged. Um, but even by fourth round, like he's out, like right now he's exceeding what you would expect from a fourth round edge for sure. But I do, I do agree with you. I do think long-term he's probably a number two guy. Yeah. And, and, and like, he's been productive. You yeah. Know, like it. it's, and it's not, it's not like fake production either. No, like he, he's producing fairly well. Um, and it's not just sacks, which another edge rusher kind of got judged by. Um, but, but like, to me, his first draft class is coming really strong, yeah. and that, and that to me says a lot about the Broncos scouting department. And but like the problem then is priorities. Like, yeah. like can we trust this regime to? I, I say re- regime sounds so like right authoritarian, you know. But like, but like, can we trust them to prioritize where they need to be prioritized? Like, can we pri- trust them to? retool the trenches can we trust them to not just say well we pay a lot of money to darby so we're just not gonna and here, worry about that like, here's my concern with that and i'm glad you brought it up but here's my concern with that is we have no we like because again like and it it's hard to give peyton credit or damn peyton too much for what happened with the vikings because he was not the primary guy making the calls but we don't have information beyond what we know from the Vikings. And then this year, and you look at the Vikings and the Vikings had issues on building the trenches. Basically the entire time Peyton was there. They, their best quarterback over that time was either. If you really like Brett Favre or Kirk cousins. Was he there with Favre? I thought he was only, yeah, no, he was only assistant GM from like 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, he, but, was there saying, but he was, You're right. but he was, but he was You're there right. during yeah. Favre. Yeah, I did a study on this right. at point. But yeah, so like yeah. those are two probably the two biggest issues facing the Broncos going forward. And it's kind of a big unknown that the Bron- like the Broncos new GM because again, Elway is out after this year unless he buys the team. Like we and I know, but I'm just saying, but like presumably it's going to be Peyton's show, like just Peyton. And we don't know if he'll be able to solve either of those issues. Again, I'm optimistic. I'm not I'm not trying to, you know, scare everybody, you know, into becoming Rangers fans. God, please don't do that. But we don't know right now. And again, that on top of all the yeah. ownership questions, it I understand why everybody right now is so angry about Teddy in part because when the Broncos lose right now, it feels like they're never going to get right again. 
And as a fan, that's really frustrating because like yeah. we, since Peyton retired, we've watched them stumble around in the wilderness, like a drunk for six years now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like with, and I, and I keep bringing, but like with guys, like with, like with this rookie class, like Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, those four guys, like you knew they would struggle because they ended up on just dumpster fires with the exception of, of Trey Lance. Um, but they ended up on just awful teams. So like you knew they would stumble and there would be struggles, but like as a fan, you could go, there's, there's grass, the grass will be greener on the other side. Like hopefully, hopefully, but like at least you have that optimism. Like with Denver, you're kind of like, I don't know. Well, and I yeah, think, like, I I think who knows what next season is. And I think that's why like the quarterback is so like popular because it's like a ray of hope right now. And I think that's why, I think that's why the Drew Locke stuff continues to be. And again, part of it is because Drew Locke fits the kind of profile that a lot of like casual fans cling to is that he's exciting. And you don't, if you're only watching the highlights, you don't see all the bad plays. Um, and the easy misses, like stuff like that. But the other part of it is the Broncos don't have another like young, promising guy. So people put all their eggs on the Drew Locke basket. He has to be the guy that can develop because we don't have anybody else, unless you have Brett Rippon. And I hey, love Brett Rippon, but I don't. Brett, I don't think he's Brett Rippon's never lost a start. That's true. He's That's never true. lost a start. He's a, <laughs> he's a QB wins god. Yeah, but, but no. So like, I, I get it, but I just, I, and again, I, I. As a fan, I totally get it. I'm as frustrated as a lot of you guys are. But I also know, like, just because you need a quarterback doesn't mean drafting a quarterback in the first round is going to solve the issue. You have to draft the right guy. And I have questions about that. And I don't think free agency necessarily provides a clean answer unless you believe in Jameis. And I don't think Peyton's going to go that way, even if I think that he has higher upside than Bridgewater. And so that leaves you with either you're gambling in the draft, you're bringing Teddy back, or you're trading and hoping that giving up three picks or, you know, whatever you give up is going to work, you know, pan out for you for whoever, whoever you get. Um, it, 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 it kind of like the best strategy is to like have Teddy for another year and take a shot. That's what it looks like. You know? Yeah. Like, like that seems to be like the strategy, unless they just want to go all in on a quarterback, but like yeah, there's significant, significant downsides as well. Yeah. I don't we really did a have, lot today. We did. Um, <laughs> the only other thing I wanted to touch on before I let you go, so I know I'm keeping you forever. The only other thing I want to touch on, oh, tell me fine. if I'm crazy and I'm overreacting. I The Broncos need to fire Tom McMahon yesterday. Like that's, I, I'm going to probably say that on every show until it happens now because that blocked field goal was embarrassing. Um, it's the same thing every year. Every it's, week. The same, it's the same thing every, no, and it is. It is actually, it's at a point, because again, I and again, those of you listening, I do... I do a game preview every week. Like I do, you know, like, and I try and break it down special teams, defense and offense. I've gotten to this point where with special teams, I am making a list of all the things Tom McMahon's special teams have fucked up every, every game. And it's like touchdown return blocked punts. Like there's been three punts that have either been blocked, partially blocked, almost blocked. There's now been a blocked field goal. There's been a 40 yard punt return. Like it's just, it's, it's, it's insane. Like the Broncos are 29th in special teams DVOA. And it's actually amazing to me that there, there can be three teams that are worse. Like, I don't, I don't know how. Yeah. It, like to me, 
it's like it's like fundamental protection things that are failing. Yep. And like if if your special teams coach isn't doing isn't coaching the fundamentals, what is he doing? The block yeah. happened because I, and I, and again I might have the player wrong, but I thought it was Draymond Jones. Um, the block Draymond and I think Calvin Anderson. And they stepped. They he stepped out and he didn't step in. And again, that's a coaching error. Again, yes, that's a mental mistake by the player. That's an assignment error. But when it's happening every week, stuff like this, it's it gets to a point where you can't just blame an individual player because it's different players each week. It's it's basic yeah. coaching. If there's two threats, you take the most immediate threat, and they did not. And that's how the block happened. That's coaching. Yeah. So honestly and truthfully, like I don't I don't know if this is like too hot for the show or whatever, but no, like, it's not. I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm cool with this entire staff. Gone. Like it, to me, like there's a couple of guys I might retain, like Azani, wide receivers coach. I think he's done a really good job. I'm um, kind of developing like Tim Patrick out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Kendall Hinton, I think, is taking strides. Yeah. You know, um Munchak, I don't know. I like Munchak is has been a really good O line coach forever. I'm glad like, you said O-line it. O line is playing so bad, and there's a lot of fundamental errors that's that I'm kind of like. At. No, that's I'm so and again. I'm not like I'm not saying I want Munchak fired because I I also am aware of the fact that like the grass is not necessarily greener. Um, there's there's yes. quite a few bad offensive line coaches in the NFL. There are uh, a lot of bad ones. So yeah. like I'm not I'm not trying to push Munch out the door, but I am at a point where I do think that he is not beyond criticism anymore. Like this is year three, the Broncos offensive line is still having issues. They have invested talent in the interior at this point. The right tackle situation, I don't necessarily blame him for in part because like. Juwan James didn't work out. Now they're they're trotting out, you know, guys they signed after the draft. I get that. But like the the yeah. one thing you're hanging your hat on for Munchak is Garrett Bowles. And, and Garrett Bowles has not been it's not that good. Anywhere close to No, no. yeah. So it's just and his, you, and his and his film last year wasn't that no. good either. Like, so so I, I don't it, I don't blame you for for saying that because I I'm kind of and again, like Bill Collar, yeah. same. Like it, 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 the Broncos' defensive line for the longest time, like Bill Collar has gotten a lot of credit for the fact that like Shelby Harris developed. You know, Draymond Jones looked promising. And again, he's part of that. I get it. So I'm not trying to push him out the door. But the Broncos' defensive line is disappointing this year. Like there's no, there are no if fans mm-hmm. or buts. They're healthy and they're not playing as well as everybody thought they would. And at, yeah. at the end of the day, part of that does come down to coaching. Yeah, and I think another guy that is kind of like. I think it's been good. Curtis Modkins. I think yeah. the running backs have been pretty Javon, good. Javante Williams. Melvin Gordon. Mel- been... Yeah. Go and Melvin Gordon, like, has kind of outplayed what I thought he would do this year. You know, like, I, I thought it would be a couple of weeks. Like, coming into the year, I was like, Melvin Gordon might just kind of be a dude for three, four weeks. And then it'll just kind of be like, yeah, we got to go to Javante. But no, like, like, Melvin Gordon has played excellent ball. So, so like credit for that room outside the phone for being as good as they have been. Well, yes, yes, yeah. But I mean, you're like I'm with you that room being as good as it has been. Like, and but like with the secondary having those issues, like that's a problem. In none of the line, I mean, you can't really blame the linebackers because of the injuries. But like when it's run fit problems, like there's, yeah, you know, like. What what's going on? <laughs> I'm with and then you. when you just have a failure to adjust and nobody like cares to bring that up 
or like it just goes kind of whatever we're just going to do the same things every week yeah like it, there's there's a problem in the building and it, you can't just sit there and start blaming the talent and blaming guys on the field especially one one particular position because it's like all over so I want to ask you this. And again, I know I'm keeping you. So at some point, you know, let me know that you need to no, go or no, whatever. I, but I don't have anything. So it's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I want to touch on this because this is something like we've touched on, like in, in, on Cover 2 Broncos, we touched on this a couple times just briefly, but like I want to touch on this. Yeah. At five and five, it's very realistic that the Broncos may very well move on from Fangio and the coaching staff before season's end. The ownership situation yeah. is such that there is a realistic possibility that if the Broncos don't look like com- a complete dumpster fire down the stretch, we see your four Fangio just because Payton is going to hold on and wait until the owner. Like that is definitely a possibility guys, whether you like it or not, that is a thing. I'm not saying that I'm rooting for that. I'm not saying I'm rooting against it, but if they finish something like seven and 10, that's in the wheelhouse of keeping him and just saying, well, we had injuries. We're going to see what happens if they don't do that though. If they fire the coaching staff, what should they do in your opinion? And I know like, I'm not going to hold you to the fire on this. Like if you change your mind, but I'm just curious, like, where are you landing on this? Because it's something that's been talked about since the Broncos October. Like, you know, yeah. you and I have both been thinking about this. Man, like, there's, there's a lot of coaches that like to me, like I, I could pass on some of what I kind of know. Hello. Dabble is like that. Dabble is kind of like slated for Chicago. Yeah, I like that. barring barring some sort of miracle of Nagy keeping his job and Dave Devil turning it down, like that 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 job is just it's kind of like your your name plaque is already on the desk, you know. That's gotta be awkward um, for Nagy. <laughs> but what do they care? They don't care about him. Like they're often they finally had a good looking offense the day he wasn't coaching. Yep. So like, what what does that say about? about it really does. Nagy? But like, there's a lot of pretty interesting names out there. Um, it, to me, the fans don't necessarily like defensive coaches. Yeah. But guys like Leslie Frazier, Matt Aberflus, um, the Dan Quinn. I, I'm not even going to get into Dan Quinn. But like, there's guys like Sean Desai, the coordinator of the Bears, is like is a Fangio guy. But he's like young, energetic, and has that Bears defense playing like really well. Yeah. So despite, like, despite there's, issues, there's defensive names. Dennis Dennis Allen for the Saints. Has Broncos country his name. would lose their minds if they hired Dennis Allen. I'm not saying I'm not like I'm saying just from like what I know. I'm not saying to poop on the actual guy. Okay. But I know gotcha. like Broncos country would lose their minds because like people basically look at Dennis Allen and see him as a joke. People, people, a lot of people in Broncos country overlook the fact that he's actually doing a really good job with the Saints, and he's young. Is there is there a history with Dennis Allen that I don't I don't know? Uh, he was the defensive coordinator here very very briefly back at the very beginning of like the, oh, the Von Miller okay. era, and then he went from here to the Raiders, gotcha. okay. and he was actually the Raiders head coach. 
not very long. Um, and he wasn't great, but okay. like this is during their period. This is pre car. Um, when they were kind of just bad, uh-huh. like wandering the wilderness, like a drunk. <laughs> yeah. So so then right now, <laughs> but but like and then you've got you've got a couple of young guys like D'Amico Ryan's, and like the San Fran defensive coordinator has his name crept up a, a few times. Uh, I don't know if I buy Joe Brady. I don't think this is the kind of move that Joe Brady would take. I don't know. And I also Joe don't Brady's know if I like Joe Brady. I don't think I do. Yeah. But I, again, I haven't studied this year's Panthers because the Broncos don't play them. But like when the Broncos, you know, acquired Teddy, I went back and looked at their offense with Teddy last year. I wasn't impressed. And again, I get it. Like I get that he was like a historic offensive guy back when, you know, he was with the LSU. But this is the NFL. This isn't college football, and you don't have Jamar Chase and yeah, Joe Brogan. Yeah, and that's that's kind of my thing. Is it's like they've had really bad quarterbacks. Like, yeah, Sam Darnold has been awful, as everybody um, expected. The fact that the fact that people thought he was redeemable for some reason that was hilarious to me. But like, but schematic, like, it, it, there's there comes a time where you can question. Maybe he just had one of the best teams all time. And he just like happened to bring a modern passing game. I mean, Adam like Gase, a bare bones modern passing game because LSU didn't have that. We <laughs> saw that time. in the NFL with Adam Gase. Like Adam Gase was the coordinator of one of the most high flying offenses ever. He's Adam Gase. Like it, just because just because of one year doesn't mean he's necessarily the answer. Yeah, and and that year was basically Peyton Manning saying, "I'm going to run this," and Adam Gase would be like, "Oh, that sounds good." <laughs> but, but like. Like there's names like that. Um, I know Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator of the Giants, has a lot of buzz. So like, does. a lot, a, a lot does of he, buzz. Does he suck? Um, See, I didn't know that because I, I yeah. knew he did before the season started. Yeah. But then the la- the first couple his, weeks, his name, his name has kind of still been gotcha. shown around a lot. Um, I I will tell you a name that has come up a lot more than I thought it would has been Nathaniel Hackett. That I thought, like I had said to you earlier like nathaniel hackett's name has continued do you think that's a do you think that's like a like an aaron Rodgers type hire though like you know what i mean like is that a like i'm pit well pittsburgh's not even like an option there but like they hire him with the idea that like then Rodgers is coming i don't necessarily i I think it it could be it it could be something but like to me that would be more of a hire of getting like alex van pelt who's the offensive coordinator of the browns because like that was part of the big fallout with him and McCarthy. Um, and I, I didn't even mention Kellen Moore, but Kellen Moore's gonna stay in Dallas. So, but like, yeah. like McCarthy, or like when McCarthy fired Alex Van Pelt, that started a lot of the drama with Aaron Rodgers. And so, like, there's always like I, I'd said before the season, I was like, if the Denver wants Rodgers, like Alex Van Pelt makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but Nathaniel Hackett has already has been successful without Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, like you remember that that year that the Jaguars went to the playoffs, like getting blood from a stone from Blake Bortles. Like he was the offensive coordinator, like like that was him getting before he went off and he joined the Packers with Lafleur. Like blood from a boat. Like, <laughs> basically, been like, but like that's there. He, that name has come up a lot, and, and like obviously there's all there's contingent names like Eric Bieniemy, um, Kellen Moore. <laughs> Do you kill Moore is he's not leaving Dallas. I would be shocked. No, he's, he's, um, he's, a, he honestly truthfully might be the head coach at the end of the year. 
Yeah, he might be the head like, coach. Like if Dallas him. wins a Super Bowl, if Dallas wins a Super Bowl, McCarthy's just going to retire and Kellen Moore will take over. Like, like that's just going to happen. If if they win the Super Bowl, of course. But, um, um, do you put any stock? Well, I just do you put any stock in the short list that we got like back in week was a week five, week five or week six? Yeah, I got. I have to. I have to relook. No, I can. I can read. I, I remember. Um. So so KOA is Benjamin Albright reportedly received this list through a source, not Peyton, but somebody who had had conversations in the Valley. Um, and again, he reported that the Broncos had not had conversations about replacing Fangio at the time, but here's my thing. First of all, as a GM, like you almost have to have a short list of guys that you're looking at. Like that's so like, I don't give him, I don't give Peyton any fault for that, but also I think the, Mm -hmm. the idea that a conversation didn't occur but here's the list I've received. That's bullshit personally. Um, because like how else yeah. is that list going to get out there unless a conversation occurred? Um, but the list is, uh, the Eagles defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, Ugh. Washington's offensive coordinator, Scott Turner, Cowboys defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, Giants offensive coordinator, Jason Garrett, Bill's defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier, Jaguars offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel. That's the list. So I think Bevel has been just straight trash. Yeah. This year, like yeah. Ben Baldwin tried to make some like weird argument that Daryl Bevel was a fine offensive coordinator, but if you watch that Jaguars offense, you would know that Daryl Bevel has not been a good offensive coordinator. Like that no. team is just trash. Jonathan oh. Gannon is the same way. Like in the Eagles, like they they don't run nickel and dime. Like he's openly admitted he doesn't have those kind of packages, which is a little a little odd. Um, and like there's a, been a lot of player revolt against him in Philly already. Um, he might not be the defensive coordinator even by the end of the year. So that's a little I would say that concerning to be fired as a defensive coordinator to fail up to being a head coach. The Eagles performance (laughs) against the Broncos was significant for Gannon in my mind, because it probably helps him keep his job. Maybe. I mean, but but, but, but I'm saying like, but I'm just saying like, that's how big that game was for him is like in his current post. Yeah. It's helping him justify like, look, I'm not a lost cause. Um, but six quarterbacks, yeah, six quarterbacks the, have completed just... 80% or more of their passes against his defense this year. Like, I don't like that idea at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's bad. I will tell you, Scott Turner is actually kind of interesting to me. Okay. Because that, that Washington team is like trying to bring college to the NFL with like spread. Yeah. Like they're a fundamentally pretty similar to what you see from like, Arizona. They just don't have a quarterback. And that's anything. and that's one of those things um, with some of these some of these some of these guys, it's like you do have to keep in mind that like personnel is gonna be a because again, like it's always easy whenever you see, you know, your new head coach, like you go and look at their performance numbers from the year before. Like that's a thing. Everybody does that. The thing with Washington is Scott Turner, yes. They have Taylor Haneke. They had Fitzpatrick for one game, and last year they had Alex, like the corpse of Alex Smith. Heineke, yeah, um, and uh, Heineke, Kyle Allen, Allen, Kyle Allen, yeah, I forgot him, Kyle Allen. So but like, like, like they, I get it. Like they dragged to the playoffs. Like yeah. he, there's a fundamentally 
good unit there. I, I think he's a little too early to be a head coach, but like structurally and fundamentally, there's some excitement there. That's like, yeah, okay. To me, like with, I thought Leslie Frazier would be the perfect candidate for Houston last year. Yeah. Like I, the kind of guy that's a complete culture reset. Like they had that they had the Deshaun Watson thing that had the issues with the owner and Bill O'Brien and like they just needed a total overhaul. Was he going to be the coach that takes them to like a Super Bowl? Probably not. Was he going to be the guy that would be a good bridge? Yeah. And like that's Frazier to me. Like he's going to come in, he's going to install a good culture, a good a good structure of defense, and if he can have the right staff around him like if he just hires from buffalo like he brings chad hall over as his offensive coordinator i'd be like yeah i'm on board with that staff like yeah let's go for it to me frazier looked like the best of those names um i think jason garrett is probably the shakiest just because i don't believe in jason garrett even in the slightest jason Garrett is a total fraud yeah um and he plays politics like everything i know about jason garrett from like people I've talked to is like, he kept his job in Dallas because he was good at playing the game. Not necessarily because he was actually competent. Um, yeah. Dan Quinn. I, my big issues with Dan Quinn are, I'm not a huge fan of like his hirings with his staff when he was the head coach in Atlanta. And I'm kind of concerned about how that would go there. Um, I get the idea that like in a second chance, like second turn, like maybe it gets better, but it's not super yeah, inspiring to me. And then like the, the meltdowns that Atlanta was like kind of famous for, for a long time. He was the head coach of that. Like he was the guy overlooking that. Yeah. And again, I understand that like personnel issues are going to be a thing, but like game management is also a big part of that. Yeah. And, and like the thing with, with Dan Quinn was Dan Quinn's scheme is very, has been for a long time, very static. Yes. It, like it, it doomed him in, in Atlanta. And Denver just took it to Dallas like a week ago. I mean, I mean, like granted, Dallas. You know, to me, like I just I've never been on board. And it's you can oh, a lot of coaches are successful retreads, but like he got fired for a reason. Yep. And, and, and that's just because like his scheme requires an elite pass rush. That's why it was so good in seattle was they had guys who could rush the passer and then he had a really good linebacker and he had a really good secondary yeah yeah and so like they had the dudes in seattle he's not gonna he didn't have the dudes in atlanta and he never had a really good defense because of it in denver um like he barely has them in dallas but like javon diggs is a sieve in coverage and like the pass rush is just non-existent so like fundamentally they're playing better than they were last year, which so it kind of gives this impression that they're an improvement, but like, it's like if, if Mahomes comes in this week, throwing for 406, like it's going to happen. Like <laughs> if, because the structure of that defense, the, the important part with, I think the coaches that I mentioned is the connections that they had to Peyton. And I want to mention that just because I do think that the Teddy Bridgewater trade the Mike Boone signing, the Stephen Weatherly trade, like, and again, we we have very limited data on Peyton so far as a GM. So like right now that might be overreacting to the one year we have. So like, keep that in mind guys. 
But the the list, I went and looked up like why you know why are, is Peyton interested in these guys? Jonathan Gannon was a Vikings assistant DB coach for three years. Scott Turner was a QB coach for two years. Dan Quinn, well, when Dan Quinn took the Falcons job, he was actually hoping that Peyton was going to become his GM. Jason Garrett, him and Peyton are friends outside of football. Leslie Frazier was the head coach of the Vikings from 2007 to 2013. Peyton was there during that time. Uh, Daryl Bevel was the Vikings offensive coordinator for four years. So, and again, maybe that means that the list is bullshit to begin with. And maybe it's just somebody kind of putting together all these different connections of coaches that could be head coaches. Or maybe Peyton really likes guys he knows. And again, that's pretty common in the NFL. So, like, I do put some stock in that. I do hope that the Broncos consider cast a wider net in terms of interviews, even if they do end up coming back to like Leslie Frazier. But yeah, it's again, it's a concern. Yeah. The problem is that like this year, there's not one like really rallying kind of like upcoming coaching candidate, you know, like, well, Kellen Moore Moore and Brian Dable, but they're neither one of them are going to be available. Like the Broncos aren't going to sign. Like even, even if either one, like even if Dable wasn't heading to uh, Chicago, if you're, if you're him, Denver was not. Yeah. Tell like, again, like, like as a fan, it's easy to say, well, Denver's great. Like I love Denver. Like why wouldn't you want to come here? But as a, as a head coach, if you're first year head coach, ownership questions, no quarterback and a really hard way to get one. Like, why would you want to come here? And like, that's kind of why to me, the route, I, and I know fans probably won't like it after, after two, because I, 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 it's the with defensive coaches, like there's always that stigma of everything, but like they win for a reason. Like there's, there's always, there's a benefit to hiring defensive head coaches and there's a lot of good candidates out there. So like, if the route if the route of defensive coordinator becoming a head coach and he brings a good staff with him i think i would be more thrilled about that than the average fan will just because like it's not sexy it's not flashy or fan appealing but like i can at least trust that there's going to be some sort of change and they're like looking to fundamentally kind of build something and like that's to me that's why i was like I when i saw that list i was like leslie frazier because like, if he comes in and he installs that kind of like that culture and that system and belief of what buffalo's done yeah like i'm i'm all on board with that because denver has the personnel to run it they're not necessarily a 4-3 built kind of team but like in terms of secondary talent yeah yeah like, they could i think Justin Simmons and Caden Stearns together running that kind of what what they do is Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde absolutely could pull it off. The, the Denver has the personnel like they move like he has his Tre'Davious White and Patrick Sertan like and he's got talent all over the defense like I I'd be on board with it truth be told. I like Leslie Frazier the most of that list just because I do think that he gets a tough rep for what happened with the Vikings when he didn't have a quarterback. Um, that was during that era is when they drafted Christian Ponder of all, you know, of all the quarterbacks you could have drafted. He had to trot out Christian Ponder for a couple years. So 
So I do think that like if they're going to hire from that list, like Frazier makes sense to me. Um, I will try and make the best of Dan Quinn. I'm not, I don't believe in it, but, but I'd try and make the best of it. Um, but yeah, if it's Jason Garrett, I will probably be very, very critical the whole way through. So I apologize. I probably that. quit my high report. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to delete that in case it's a thing. So, no. <laughs> but no, um, I guess like let, let's finish with this just because like, again, I know I'm keeping it. We've been talking for a minute. Oh, scale, I'm fine. Scale one to 10 though. Uh, five and five. Well, two parts. First of all, five and five, seven games left. How many games do you think realistic to hope for? Like that they show up for a win. Like win. <laughs> um, uh, I, Actually here, tell me this. Do you think the playoffs are realistic? Not make no. it, but like realistic. Do you think they can contend for the playoffs? I I don't think so. No, I have I have a lot of doubt. Yeah, it, it's 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 tough because it's like in the AFC, you've got that you've got the two, really kind of three because uh, Vegas is kind of like. Might be something, might not be something. So you've got them in there. Then you've got Cleveland and Cincinnati. Yep. Kind of vying as well as, I mean, that entire AFC North, now that I really think about it, is all kind of in that picture. The AFC East is really New England, just grounding and pounding everybody away. It's New England and Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. But they have two. It looks like the AFC East, to me, it looks like the AFC East has two playoff teams. I think the AFC North has too much talent to not have at least two playoff teams. And then obviously the AFC South, the Titans are going to win it out of the AFC South. I think the Colts are going to be yeah, like and, plucky, and but, I don't, but I don't think they're going to be. I don't, yeah, They're plucky. I think, you know what I mean? I think they're a team that, and then yeah. the AFC West looks like they could have two or three play. Like again, the AFC right now looks, yeah. I don't think there's a lot of great teams. I think every team has some sort of big flaw. But I think there's enough good teams that the Broncos, with the way they've dropped real game, like games they should have won, the Broncos, if they were at seven and three right now, I'd feel really good. If they were at six and four, yeah. I'd feel. If they had beat the Eagles, I'd feel pretty good because if they, if, if they had won, if they beat the Eagles, yeah, beat the Eagles or the dysfunctional Raiders yeah. or the Steelers, any one of those three games, I would have felt pretty good. If they would have won all three, I, like they, you know, obviously probably be in it. They'd but, pretty much but, be in. Yeah. But, the, but the way things are looking, you look at the rest of their schedule. They have the Chiefs twice, the Chargers twice, the Raiders, the Bengals, and the Lions. Yeah. I feel, depending on the, the depending on what happens in the lead-up to the game, I feel like they could take the Raiders, because the Raiders are kind of a Jackal Hyde team, just like the Broncos are. Yeah. They should beat the Lions. I If they don't... They should. They should they, beat the brakes off the Lions. If they lose <laughs> to the Lions, people are going to get fired in the immediate aftermath of that game. Like, yeah, I would be I, think, I would be shocked. If um, if I'm not wrong, pardon, pardon me for interrupting you, but no. I think it's Chargers, Chiefs, Lions, like, in that order, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, if, if they lose all three of those, this whole, the whole staff done. is gone. Every, everybody's like, gone yeah, pretty quickly. Everybody's done. Um... um but the Chiefs or and the Chargers, they kind of play down to the Lions too, because that this team has a problem with playing down. Washington, the last, the Washington few, game. last few games. Yep. Yeah. Like, but so to me, and, the, and Detroit's going to run all over them. Like, I love how Detroit plays because it's just like we know we don't have a quarter, or we know we have a quarterback that can't throw the ball. 
So we're just going to just take it completely out of his hands and shove it down your throat. Yeah, they do what they do well. And, I mean, they have they have a converted safety at running back, and he's playing well. Yeah, <laughs> like that's how good they're running the ball. Is they like you played safety in college, come play running back, and then the, it's working. And like so, like yeah. And then Cincinnati, Cincinnati, I mean, Burrow could just have a field day. I think Burrow is going to have if a field that, day. If, I think the only way the Broncos yeah. win that game is if their offense steps up, and that makes me nervous because. The Bengals have enough pieces on defense to be a problem. Uh, and then you look at the Chiefs and the Chargers games. The Chargers have enough issues that I could see the Broncos stealing a game. Yeah, but I but I do think like if you're beating the Chargers based on what we've seen from them, you're stealing it. You're not like they look like a better team than the Broncos, yeah. and they do it's, have a quarterback. Like there's no doubt in my mind that Justin yeah. Herbert is a quarterback. It's tough because like Lombardi is kind of yeah handcuffing him. Like I don't know if you saw the chart that I posted. Yeah. Uh like his his next gen stats chart where it just kind of it was just like blocks underneath 10 yards. It's like Oregon. And like that's what they're using. That's what yeah, and it's essentially but like Justin Herbert is we are we obviously know has the physical talent to exceed outside of those kind of parameters, but like so there's there's always that threat of like the offense just shooting itself in the foot enough times, and then both so of that them out. Denver in the running game, at Denver in the running game, yes, Joey Boza is out. That's true, um, but Denver's run game, like Staley's scheme, has had a tough time stopping the run. Like they they struggled with it against Philly. Well, and, and like that's been a notable thing with Staley. And so like if Denver is like, hey, we're gonna run the ball. And if, if they run the ball well enough, so they like they score enough points and then and the Chargers offense kind of just shoots itself, like you're right, they could steal one. Could they steal two? Probably not. And that's well, it's just it's one of those yeah. things like when when the other team has and this is one of those things that's true of division games in my mind, because if you're playing two games against somebody, odds are like the variable type matchup type stuff in both games, it's probably not gonna go your way both times. So a lot of times what it ends up coming down to is who has the better quarterback is going to be probably winning one of those games. The Broncos don't have the better quarterback in any division game they play. And and again, I say that as somebody who thinks Teddy Bridgewater has been better than a lot of people think, but it's just at the end of the day, yeah. Justin Herbert, Pat Mahomes, Derek Carr, they're all better than Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. And that's the, re- the rest up. of the schedule. The rest of the schedule will only play one quarterback. That's worse. And yes. that's Jared Goff. Who's arguably the worst quarterback in the NFL. Yes. Or at least the worst starting quarterback. Like, and earlier, if the Broncos might not be the starter, who knows <laughs> if the Broncos would have caught the chiefs like four weeks ago, I would have felt a lot better about that because like four weeks ago, they still had no idea what they were doing on defense. Four weeks ago, they were having a lot of issues on offense with Pat Mahomes having the first slump of his career. Um, Anybody who watched last week, they don't have the, like, and again, maybe they fall in their face now going forward, but like, I did not see a team that was struggling to figure out what they're doing. I see a team that Andy Reid is like, all right, this is what we do well. This is what we're going to do. And they're doing it. And they have the talent up front on defense to cause hell for the Broncos offensive line because I don't believe Pat Shermer is going to outcoach Spagnuolo. No. And like, if he couldn't outcoach Gannon, there's no way in hell he's outcoaching Spagnuolo. But like, but like, that Kansas City offensive line 
Yeah, it's absolutely they're gonna run ridiculous. all over us. It's gonna be a huge issue. Like it is. I, I, like I, I say, if I you're saying this is like a Denver kind of writer, it's like controversial. But this, this offense, their offensive line is fun as hell to watch. No, oh, it is. Like, I get I get more fun. Reed Humphreys, I get awesome. more enjoyment watching them. I get more enjoyment watching them than I do Mahomes. And Mahomes is the best highlight reel player in the NFL. Like they just go out there and they just bury dudes. So like Denver's run defense has got to show up like three hundred percent just to even be in that game because otherwise they're just going to get thrown out of gaps like, well, and pro- regularly. And the problem with that is too, if if the Chiefs are able to run as successfully as they as it looks like they will, the passing game is going to be there too. Like, cause like if you have to actually devote that kind of resources to stopping the running game, you won't be able to stop or pressure Mahomes, and he's just going to shred you. At all. Yeah. So like I could easily, yeah. and again, I'm not rooting for this, but just like knowing what I'm thinking about with the matchups, this first Chiefs game looks like it's going to probably be ugly unless Browning's back healthy and everybody else is healthy. Like at the pace that Denver's losing players, like their defense is going to get torn apart and then the offense is going to have to outscore them. Yeah. And I, again, yeah. do you, does anybody believe Tate Bridgewater is going to outscore Pat Mahomes? Like, no, no, no. And like, it, it, like you had said four weeks ago, there, there's a world where like, yeah, Denver throws it all over the Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton have great games. Just out there bodying guys. Daniel Sorensen was still but like, if they come. Yeah. Yeah, I I have noticed Thornhill a little bit more now, um, but like it's funny how that works. And then oh, you play your second round pick over the guy who's yeah, the turn, actual target. Turns uh, out anyways, he's good. Uh, yeah, what do you know? Uh, <laughs> but, like, it's like playing your third round offensive lineman who's your best one, and it's so <laughs> shocking. Totally forget. <laughs> it's crazy, <laughs> but like. It's, it's like there's a world where Cortland Sutton goes out there and just starts bodying guys and Jerry Judy's getting open over the middle. Like, But if they come in with the game plan of last week where they're just like, we're just going to blitz Jalen Hurts, even though nobody else is blitzing, we're going to do it. <laughs> like, Here's the thing, Patrick Mahomes, you just – like the strategy has been to like not blitz him. I mean, there's no true strategy that beats Mahomes, mm-hmm. right? Like you – you're you, you're just you, lucky enough to force him to making some bad decisions. Like you, you endure him, and then you hope you get lucky in a couple key edges. Yeah, and, and like you hope that the ball bounces your way, that like a receiver drops a pass and you pick it off. Like, like that's just kind of how you hope. You have to hope and pray to beat Mahomes every week. Like he's but, the Matrix. He is just a totally different guy. I think that's why I am so kind of like down. On like what's left of the season again, like there's players I'm excited for. I'm excited for a lot of players because again, I'm not trying to just spell doom and gloom for you know you guys because like those listening, like the Broncos have a lot of good players left and a lot of things left to play for and a lot of things left to watch. Like again, watch 53, watch Sertan, you know, watch Devonte Williams. But like at the end of the day, like as you just mentioned with Mahomes, in games like that against like a team like the Chiefs or a team even like the Chargers you need to win all the edges you can because you know, the quarterback matchup is not going your way. Well, the Broncos employed probably the worst special teams coordinator in the league. So like off the jump, they're basically giving up that edge, which is again, one of the reasons why like for weeks now, like I've basically been saying, like, I don't understand why you're doing this, but then also like the issues they're having on defense and the issues they're having on the offensive line, the play calling issues in the red zone, like 
all of these things are things like in theory, it's easy to solve, but we're 10 weeks into the season. They're not solved yet. So like at this point, yeah. this feels like this is who the Broncos are. And if that's who the Broncos are, I think they win two more games. I think, I think they beat the lions. I think yeah. it's going to be closer Great. than I want it to be, but I think they beat the lions. Um, and then I think they're going to steal a game somewhere. Uh, I think it's just going to be one of those. Everything kind of goes right. And then for the next week, we're yeah. going to hear about how, oh no, Tom McMahon is a good coach. Like they made all their field goals and they didn't even, they didn't even drop a ball once. No one blocked a punt. No one, <laughs> no one returned a touchdown. He even walked and chewed gum at yeah. the same time. Like good for him. They'll win, they'll win a game three to zero. Like they'll, they'll <laughs> oh beat Detroit God. three to zero. I will die. Off, off of a McManus, off of a McManus, like 53 yard field goal. I would and die. everybody would be like, oh, my God, look at the special teams. Like, they were so great. Like, Detroit didn't get a big run, even though Detroit doesn't have anybody fast on at all that returns. Other than that, like, like that, yeah, but you're right. Like, I, this whole week I've really struggled with, like, what do I even write about? You know, where I've just kind of been like, whatever. And that's, and that's tough to say because, like, I really want to like this Broncos team because there are guys that I absolutely like. And love and want to root for. Like I love Justin Simmons. Same. I think Justin Simmons is an awesome guy. Same. I love Draymond Jones. Draymond Same. Jones is like brand. Um, and the rookies are awesome. It's fun to root for these rookies because they're they're really talented. They're really good. It's hard. It is really hard to not like Quinn Miners. Like I know I'm an offensive line guy. It is hard to not like him. Like personality wise, he I just agree. fits. He's just a and he, his play on the field is awesome, um, and so like there's a lot of guys, and, and I love I love Cortland Sutton, like Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, are to me have all the potential in the world to be one of the best wide receiver duos in the NFL, period. I agree. It, it to me it's, it's just more of like Honestly, I know the issues won't be solved this year, so like just fast forward, like that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> But that's what that's what's making this season so hard. And again, and again, I think this is kind of a good place to close. That's what makes this all like this bye week is kind of like it's almost a relief because the Broncos can't lose this week. The Broncos can't disappoint us this week. But it's like it's this situation where it's like, like you said, AJ, like you want to like them. There's so many players that are really fun to root for. There are players like as I study the games. It's really like I loved watching Jonathan Cooper. I went back over his games for four hours and I just like studied his game. It was fun. But then like you look at the final result and you're like, oh, yeah, he played really great, but they got completely trounced in the Browns game because at the end of the day, and this happened again for you saw this, you know, firsthand. Von Miller looked really good outside of like one highlight play in the Rams game, but the Rams still got their shit kicked in because a lot of like it takes 11 guys. And right now, and it takes a good coaching staff. And at the end of the day, right now, the Broncos aren't, they, they're not showing that they have a great coaching staff and they don't have 11 guys playing well. They have bits and pieces of players that are looking okay. And then they have really big issues that are just, they're not going away and they're probably not going away this year. So yeah. Rams have a coaching staff problem too, but that's another episode. They, I, <laughs> but, I could get into that one, believe me. Uh, but, but it's just it's one yeah, of those right. it's 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 just one of those things where I think it, it, it's we're at a point where it's at the bye week, ten weeks into the season, and we're starting to like look ahead to next year because we know that this year doesn't really matter. 
And this is the which, sixth... which sucks because, like, in theory, they could still push for the playoffs. Now, would they go very far in the playoffs? Probably not. And I think that's Probably why not. they traded like, Von Miller. In theory, because they know that. In theory, there's a path there. Yep. There's a path. And again, realistically, I'm... is a top fifteen, if a top fifteen pick, more likely? Yes. Yes. Um, it's just but... at the end of the day, more likely. But it's hard. And again, like, and this is, I think, one of the reasons why, like, those of us who have lived kind of through this post-Payton era, that's why so many of us are so frustrated, is because this is the sixth straight year of, well, I'm looking to next year. And this isn't what Broncos football is supposed to be. Like, like, I, I, like, the first, like, 15 years of me being a fan of the Broncos, they either had a winning record or the next year they had a winning record. Like, this, like, this six-year stretch of, like, not being relevant is weird. Like it's it's weird telling my friends I'm a Broncos fan. They're like, oh, why? So it's hopefully things change, guys. Like I'm definitely rooting for it. It'd definitely be more fun to cover a team that's relevant and like in the middle of a, like a real Super Bowl push. Um, so like hopefully they get there. But in the meantime, I'm you know we're here to kind of help you talk off the edge and kind of try and analyze the good, the bad, and the ugly. So. Thank you so much again, AJ, uh, for joining me. Guys, again, if you don't follow him on Twitter, he is at AJ Draft Scout. Uh, he writes at Mile High Report. You can find his stuff there. Really good O-line breakdowns, really good D-line breakdowns, really good breakdowns. Go read his stuff. I appreciate that. I, I love having having it on because it was just fun. It's I always love talking, and you and I get along great. We're good buddies. And so, like, I have fun with this. Um, it's always fun to just kind of talk a little more rationally because there's a lot of irrationality and a lot, a lot of anger, which is understandable, but I think it's nice to just kind of have a calm. This is where we're at kind of discussion. And I think, and this was a fantastic show. Thanks. That's, I mean, that's honestly like, and again, listeners, like, let me know what you guys think, but that's what, like, that's what we try to do around these parts. We try to look at the, good the bad and the ugly but like try not to overreact to it as much as we can i think it helps that i like we record on wednesdays um so i have like a day to to throw things uh before i like have to talk to you guys about it um <laughs> but yeah so it was it was a lot of fun aj